11 o'clock comics episode 87 David's bringing it. Uh, we're already with Chasing the rabbit. I'm very comfortable. Comfortable and ready to talk about it. I'm not usually this comfortable going in. Usually I'm like, oh, you know, I'm trying to remember shit. I'm way back. I don't give a shit what happens. It's either going to be the best show ever or the worst. Yeah. Nothing will top this week. be the best thread ever. No, yeah, well, nothing will top this past week's thread. Best thread ever. That was ridiculous. Still going strong. And then I, I jumped into the thread. I said, you know what? It'd be really cool because Sal posted once. I said, oh, yeah, great. Sal's here. Now it's going to get really good because Sal brings out, you and know. Then he started the, busting that, your chops. And then he, then he no, then he pulled no. a ridiculous statement out of his ass to get, my, to get <laughs> me going. That was in a different thread. Yeah, it was in a different thread. And I, and I thought to myself, maybe I should be careful what I wish for. Really, seriously, because, you know. he, he it, Sal is the asteroid in Asterios Polyp. That's yes, he Sal. Can, he, can, he is the game changer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, look at this. It's 11 o'clock comics, and I am Vince B. Very sure. relaxed. Yeah. Very relaxed. I'm, I'm Chris Neesman, and I'm really on edge. Cool. Oh, hey. No. Um, good I'm, show. Uh, I'm, I'm David Price, and, and I'm here. And I'm Jacob Marley. No, you're not Jacob Marley with this Christmas shit. You are Jason. You're Jason Wood, young Jason, back in the house with his bros, ready and waiting to talk comics. And we wouldn't be able to talk comics if it wasn't for Discount Comic Book Service. We would be able to talk about them, but we wouldn't be rolling in the greenbacks. Because Discount (laughs) Comic Book Service, you can find them at dcbservice.com, is the best previews ordering system on the internet. You get on their website, you can order your books ahead of time and get ridiculous discounts for them. If your local comic book shop is not up to snuff or you caught them sleeping with your wife, you can go to Discount Comic Book Service and get books up to 75% off. I'm not kidding. Delivered right to your home, perfect condition, beautiful people, great service, dcbservice.com. Check them out. Oh my God. And Remember, once you get there, order your regular books and check out all the Ditko books they have this month for sale. Steve Ditko, the legend. You can get Steve Ditko books that you probably have not seen before because they're all published by Ditko. So there I you ordered, go. I ordered Mr. A, number one. Check You're it not out. Around, I know. There's so. 18 different titles to choose from. Steve, the master disc- disco. Disco, nice. Yeah. <sighs> disco, baby. It's like, it's like Stanley right in the credit box still. Yeah, swiping it. So there you go. Oh. Steve Ditko. Check him out. DCBService.com. <laughs> we here. All right. So What's up, buddies? I think that's a good place to do the, 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 uh, the promo right before the drink roll call. That way we Sounds get, sh- yeah, yeah, get yeah. the shit done and then we'll go in. 
Now that I explained it, it's worthless. Yeah, now, now that you hit yeah. us over the head with yeah, that, where you're shitting. Okay. All right. Well, I tell you what. Let's uh, let's knock out the drink roll call and then get to some uh, some hearty comic talk. Hearty. Um, David, you start us off. Oh, uh, Gallo family, White Merlot, just. Taking it old school with some wine tonight. There you go. Uh, Mr. B? I'm doing you another solid this week. Uh Once again, bringing the alcohol in the yingling traditional lager. I thought you were going to tell me you were drinking some wild turkey. No, I don't drink paint thinner. I drink things that taste good. Oh, 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 because that's actually what I'm rocking. You drink that that Peppy Mac, though. No, I really... No, the alcohol stuff, like alcohol, alcohol, like whiskey and and bourbon and and gin and stuff, that just tastes like death to me. I drink it, Mm -hmm. and it's just like, oh, my God, what's going down my throat? You know? Wait, though, at the uh, New York Comic Con, you were drinking liquor, and I was shocked. That's because there was nothing else in the room. You know, and if it was beer... I'd be drinking that, but it was there, and we were having a good time, and I wanted to feel funky, so I drank it. But, I mean, if I had a choice, yeah, I'd be drinking the beer. Love beer. beer. Yeah, beer. Well, I'm having some uh, wild turkey uh, rare breed tonight. Oh, yeah? Oh, it's 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 a good bourbon. It's it's a proof on that? Oh gosh, it's out. It's out in the. Uh, it, it's about a hundred hundred proof. I got it out the the bottle out in the uh, out in the living room. So uh, it's it's not. I'm not privy to it at the moment. But yeah, it's about a hundred hundred proof. Little, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit more. So, oh, oh wait, wait, I have a question for you mm-hmm. because you know a lot about spirits. Mm, not that much. The 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 proof is not analogous to percentage of alcohol. Because when yep. you say a hundred proof, well, yep. well, then how could something it's be a hundred and half? Because it's fifty percent alcohol. Then oh, yeah. oh, you yeah. cut it in half. Okay, because when somebody mm-hmm. says this is a hundred proof, I'm thinking, well, that's just straight alcohol, then, right? Um, pure pure alcohol is is two hundred proof. Ah, yeah. Thank you for clearing that up. There you go. And actually, Jason and I were um, were kind of chit chatting about it on Twitter. Yeah, about, I know. Um, uh, for bourbon drinkers, proof is is pretty important because it kind of helps guide you in how you drink bourbon, um, a, like a, a Jim Beam or a Basil Hayden, uh, that kind of stuff is 80 proof, and you can pretty much drink an 80 proof bourbon straight. You don't have to do anything to it. It's not that hot on the palate. Um, but once you start going up in proof, which is usually um, a lot of it has to do with like the age of the bourbon. Um, uh, you, what the older it is, the higher in proof it'll it'll get, and then how much it's it's filtered and, and cut down and all that. Anyway, the higher in proof that you go, the the more likely you are to either add water or ice or a mixer to it to cut down the the proof to make it palatable. Mm. Um, and Jason was kind of kind of interested in that. And, and one of the things I told him was that I won't make a Manhattan with a bourbon unless it's a um, hundred proof or more, because it's really hard for a lower proof bourbon to stand up to vermouth. Um, if it's if it's below that that proof, that the the vermouth will overpower it. So you know that's just that, that's just a little a little tip out there. If you're if you're going to have a Manhattan, um, pick a, a heavier proof bourbon like a Knob Creek. Knob Creek makes a, a great uh, great Manhattan. <laughs> David caught me laughing. Slobbing the knob. Chris, <laughs> let me ask you how many how <laughs> how many bourbon would you types of bourbon would you say are in your house at any given moment? Usually four or five. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's again, it's based on proof and the type of what you're going to do with it and that sort of thing. You know, um, 
uh, Marta and I just kind of like to, to try a lot of different bourbons. So, mm-hmm. you know, whenever uh, we go to the, the liquor store every few months or whatever, usually pick up a couple different ones to just try them out. And, you know, it's not like I'm like, okay, I need to have an 80, 100, uh, 110, and 130 proof um, bourbon in the house mm-hmm. at all times. But, no, you just kind of play around with some stuff. And, and uh, you know, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go anywhere from, you know, from an 80, you know, on up, uh, like an 80 – like Basil Hayden is a really nice eighty proof bourbon that um if you're not if you're not a bourbon drinker, if you uh especially if you um if you drink like Canadian whiskey or mm-hmm. lower proof whiskeys and you want to try a bourbon, Basil Hayden would be perfect because it's it's a lower it's a lower proof. Well, That's you know what really I think why I was asking. Oh go ahead. I just think there's one little tweak you could add to your um, knowledge of of alcohol. Don't say proof. Say this is 110 proof rock. Huh? Come on. Yeah, come on. <laughs> you got to, to no bring back, to bring it back to yes. To bring it back to comics. <laughs> so, in, in honor uh, of, the last, of the... the last thing, Jason. Usually, uh, oh. a heavier proof um, will be a more flavorful or proof rock bourbon <laughs> will have more flavor in it because it's usually an older. Um, uh, it's been aged longer, so. Uh-huh. Yeah. So well, every yeah. Cool. I appreciate the education because I uh, I have not done much bourbon drinking as you know, and uh, my well, father-in-law you. likes uh, likes the occasional spirit, and they're coming as they usually do for the holidays. And I was thinking, well, with your influence, I would uh, I would maybe buy a nice bottle of bourbon and uh, give it a try over the uh, the Christmas break. But I I definitely would prefer something that's like sippable. So it sounds like I want to get something on the lower proof end of things. Um. Actually, um, and that's <laughs> my, my favorite is Baker's, which is 107 proof. But that's nice okay. because you can serve that with a splash of water and a couple ice cubes, and uh-huh. that cuts the proof down, and it's a great sipping whiskey. So higher okay. proof, you just add some water to it, you cut it down. It's just like what about what about uh, Woodford? Woodford Reserve. Oh, that's, that's 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 a really really nice bourbon. I prefer okay. the Baker's. It's um, Baker's is closer to like a cognac. Um, okay. Because um, like, my my uh, my father in law loves cognac. He drinks cognac all the time. Getting so. Baker's. Baker's. It's um, okay. I, I found that cognac fans really like that that particular bourbon. Okay. So there you go. And speaking of, what are you drinking tonight? Well, you know, uh, in honor of Vince, because he is so festive and he loves Christmas so much, yeah, I really wanted to, to drink something festive. So I'm actually having uh, – it's hot chocolate with some um, some dark Ooh. rum in it and a little almond syrup. So it's like an almond hot chocolate, if you will, but uh, spiked. It's really good. Hey. Nice. So I'm stirring it, it with a candy cane? With my with my dick. Yeah, so it's a, it's a little ripple, just a tiny yeah, little a little. little <laughs> doesn't even break the surface yeah. tension of it, you know. Just think, it still gives me that time. tingling feeling, though. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> hey, eleven o'clockers. This is Adam Burvey, aka Most Fabled on the forums. I just finished listening to episode, uh, I think it's eighty-five. How the hell should I know? And you guys brought up a little book called Mysterious the Unfathomable, drawn by Tom Fowler, and that sparked my remembrance that I recently got in two pieces of art commissioned by him, a Deadpool, just like Jason Wood, and uh, Harley Quinn. I thought I would uh, drop a little note and say, uh, the guy's not human. His hand is magic, something along those lines, because nobody else can draw the way he does. So I just wanted to let everybody know, if you're planning on getting commissioned, I think Tom Fowler's the way to go. Uh, if you don't have a piece of his art in your art collection or up on your man wall, um, you're really not looking to collect anything amazing because that's it's sort of a necessity. It's a bare basic need. 
So uh, I just wanted to say, uh, that's really all I wanted to say. So uh, I'll talk to you guys later. I'm out. I'm dying to talk comics, but before we <laughs> I was do. Say, after, after Alcohol 101 there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nice. Because it's the Christmas or Xmas or holiday season, whatever you want to call it. Um, it is the time for gift giving, and I did receive something from someone, and I want to thank them. Mr. Matt Burden, a.k.a. Templar, yeah. done sent me a big old hunk of lead from Eagle Moss in the shape of Dr. Frickin' Doom. No way, dude. Yes, yes. So I have a, to That's accompany awesome. my dark side, I have a, an Eagle Moss Dr. Doom now. So they're going to be on opposite sides of the desk, you know, leering at each other. You suck. No, you suck. I'm better than you. No, I'm better than That's you. That's dope. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> dude, those and, and you know which one's going to win, really cool. so... They are very nice. Just don't let your yeah. kids lick them. So. Yeah. I know. Dude, that's actually no, because I know Chris. You have a ton of them in your room, and I loved them I just, when I was uh, house. I just I just picked up uh, Starfire tonight. Yeah, they're really great looking, and I. Well, were all the, the good uh, ones sold out? I'm collecting the DC oh, ones right damn. now. Yeah. And once I'm done with the DC, I've got some of the Marvel, and I'm going to start getting the uh, the Spider-Man rogues. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to start. So you, with my, uh, you do the farm yeah, team uh, first, and then you move up yeah. to the the major leagues. <laughs> That's how it works. What I was saying, I'm baiting you. You know, I am. I want to get some for the uh, for the new the new man cave, and uh, I was just a little nervous because they're lead. But I guess everyone's saying that they're safe as long as you don't uh, ingest them or uh, boil right. them down and inject them into your kids' uh, veins. I'll tell you, they make great figures, but they also do really good starships. They have uh, a Star Wars series. Oh, they're huh? really nice, really nice. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's cool. But see that, see that. I don't understand that. You don't like the busts, but you like the little tiny figures. I don't like busts. Like I don't like the just but, the heads. It doesn't appeal to me. The visually, that, that doesn't isn't that a, a a bit. Well, um, see, you know, a, J- Jason's Jason's a he's a toes guy. Oh, yeah, I like the feet, dude. I like I, the. I can uh, see Jason's point because because you get the whole character. You get the, yeah, more yeah. articulation. It is. I mean, not movement, but I mean, there's there's a full figure with with the whole. Yes, but don't don't you get more personality with the bust? I mean, there's more room uh, for expression and and. I mean, I, it's not like I hate the bust, but I'm I'm not planning on like going hog wild and collecting fifty statues. You know, I just want a couple. Right. So if I'm going to get a couple, like I want, you know, the eagle moths are small, so you can put a couple on a shelf together. Yeah, but they're heavy. Um, they're awesome. You know what I watch about the Eagle Moss? It's like if you're going to start getting like Bowen busts, those things are an investment. You're talking, you know, you know, thirty, forty, fifty dollars yeah, plus on those things. And the Whenever I go to the comic shop, yeah, I just, I, yeah, I mean, the the big statues are you know two, three hundred bucks. Um, I go to the comic shop every week and I get another Eagle Moss figure. And it's just, yeah. Whenever I go to the shop, it's like, okay, well, there's another one. So seriously, you get one every week. I get one every week, yeah. That's impressive. That really is. Well, and Mark gives me a nice little discount, so I get them for like nine nine bucks. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. But, yeah, you know, uh, and and that's the other cool thing. Another reason for DCBS is uh, if you are planning on collecting them like on a consistent basis, DCBS has them. Uh, I think for thirty percent off, but but that's another. It's a great way to if you're going to do them often, just to sure. again pre-order them. But uh, but if, unfortunately, a lot of the ones that I actually want to buy are already out, like uh, like my girl Blink and uh, and my man DP. Uh, I know Dap's probably got an extra dead. Oh hell yeah! yeah. yeah I meant to mail it to you. I'm sorry. They yeah, do yeah. pretty up a bookcase. They do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, when they're in contrast with the spines all lined mm-hmm. up, it's nice. It's really nice. Ooh. Yeah. Hey, I I, so thank you, Mr. Templar. Thank oh, you. Yeah, very much. He, uh, I appreciate uh, it. I really do. Anybody else get anything from Matt? I have a funny probably. He, 
he told me he sent something, but I have not received it yet. I got, uh, I got from, uh, uh, blah, 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 was it Revolution Studio? It's, it, it's almost like the little mini mates, if you know those guys. Yeah. Ooh. But this is, um, it's, uh, Hellboy and, uh, and Cronin from the Hellboy movie. Oh, sweet. Oh, bitchin'. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, great. the, the yeah. Mezco ones? Yes. Those are awesome. I love oh, yeah. those. Yeah, they're very, I like them a lot more than the mini mates, actually. Uh, I have one of the Golden Army soldiers mm-hmm. and I have the Hellboy, um, kneeling or with the gun. Oh, they're beautiful. Yeah, I really don't even nice. want to take it out of the package. Oh, you have to. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> They're awesome. Yeah. yeah, I can't stop touching the the the, the Golden Army guy. It's be- it's really heavy too for a, a little toy. Shut up, so David. Are, are we gonna, are we gonna <laughs> talk? Are we gonna talk our Christmas stuff next week? I guess. Yeah, that'll be more okay. appropriate. Okay. Save it for next week. Yeah, because then then David's will arrive. Because I made okay. a little, I did, I screwed up a little bit on David. I ordered him a book that would ship in one to two months. <laughs> and yeah, so it's like, this is kind of stupid. Yeah, hilarious. So stupid um, on my part. So I canceled ooh, it and oh, got him. Something before else. we get into the uh, the comic talk, uh, I'll save the the thank you to you fellows for next week. But I did want to, um, you know, Doctor Teeth had his second annual uh, uh, gift exchange on our forums, um, as you guys know, and uh, he's he's. You know, good guy for putting that together. And I got the, uh, the package from, I guess, uh, Nilcam, uh, who is, uh, Neil, uh, goes by Nilcam on the forums. He, uh, he, he got me and, uh, and, and this Wumba big package arrives. And I just had to, uh, give him a shout out and say thank you very much. He, he was, uh, thoughtful enough to not only, um, send uh, me a few things, but he actually sent a couple things that he thought that my boys would like as well. Um, oh. so. So cool, and he actually Your boys sent me a meaning us, right? No, he, he, my boys, yeah, like you guys, yeah. He wants yes. me to send it, send it <laughs> on to you. Um, but he actually uh, he sent me a series which I was going to ask you guys if you um, if you're familiar with because I had no idea it even existed, and that is uh, he sent me the complete run of Dead Enders by Brubaker. Oh and, yeah, and I'm not familiar with that series, so that's good stuff. Uh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, early Brubaker. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what he yeah. said. He thought, it'd be, yeah. And uh, he sent me uh, Vince, you'll love it, some Uncle Scrooge, a little Ooh, something special. Yeah, very know. nice. Um, yeah, he sent me some Marvel Adventure Spidey, which, which is awesome stuff. Um, share with the kids. Uh, he sent me Apollo's Song by Tezuka, which is actually one of the Tezuka things I wasn't that familiar with. Um, apparently, he said it's a very, very serious book. Um, he uh, oh, he sent me the Spider-Man DVD of the the cartoon, which I have Holy not crap. watched. I think he said. He nice. heard that I hadn't watched it, uh, so he thought I'd like that. And then um, there was something else. What was it? Oh, um, a cross-gen book, The Path, Crisis of Faith. Oh, nice. nice. I've never read that either. So it's impressive to send me that many things. was, first of all, super thoughtful. <clears throat> Excuse me. And second of all, to send me that many things that I have n- none of which I had read before is uh, is, uh, is, is is pretty badass. So so that's really, really thanks very much, Neil. I appreciate it, and Merry Christmas. Yeah, so. you lucked out. That's a great yeah, score. That's awesome. awesome stuff. Good on him and you, I guess. The, yeah, I, the, uh, I I seem to be the only one who actually pays attention when someone says, don't open don't it. Don't open it. <laughs> so I have a couple of Amazon boxes under my tree, um, one this of which I know is from Chris because it, it, it's from Amazon Prime, and I know he loves to brag about that. The, uh, the, the I did receive two packages. Uh, just one does tie into the season because um, that's the kind of guy Paper Cut is. It's, it's his annual... Uh, take something off my hands, but give it to yeah. somebody who you think wants to read it. And um, and so, I received yesterday Supreme the Story of the Year, and uh, and I never read it in its entirety. So I'm going to do a quick read through it and then pass it on to uh, to a coworker who I think will get a kick out of it. Right. Uh, but the other day there was a box 
on my stoop from none other than Mr. Alec B. And, nice. uh, yeah, he, uh, he had sent me a PM through the forum saying that, um, he's got, uh, he's got a couple issues of the Blackest Night mini and a couple issues of, of Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps that tie into it. Uh, he knows I'm not reading it just yet. And if, um, if, if I felt like reading his, cause for whatever reason, he's not feeling it. He's done with it. He's moving on. So, uh, open up the box. There were a handful of, Blackest Night, uh, miniseries issues and, and assorted, uh, Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps. There were also, which really was nice, was, uh, a few issues of Amalgam Comics, which. Well, you mean, you mean Amalgam? Amalgam? Yes, that's what I mean. There <laughs> we go, nice. Amalgam, what the hell, yeah. man? Amalgam. I love them Amalgams. <laughs> that word. Damn, Amalgam. <laughs> so, um. That was great. So, so Dr. Strange fight, since we'll go with the demo game, uh, bullets and bracelets, Amazon, bat thing. Oh, nice. Super soldier, uh, are all waiting to be read, but the, the huge, huge thing for me was, uh, various DC Comics presents. Very oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. Including the first appearance of Mongol. Really? Ooh. Yeah. So, really? That's yeah, going so back a little bit. Yeah, issue uh, issue twenty seven. DC Comics presents twenty seven was uh, the first appearance of uh, of Mongol, and and um, I believe it was a three part story. But it's um, it was if it wasn't written by Starlin, it was plotted and drawn by him at least. That's but, cool. Um, yeah, and you know a few issues throughout the uh, throughout the series run, and uh, and two annuals. One um, annual number one which is uh, Superman teaming up with the Golden Age Superman, and annual number three, which is Superman teaming up with Shazam and um, with, with Awesome Art by Gil Kane. So I've been, I've been having Sweet. fun going through those. Sweet. Did you say oh, okay. he gave you bullets and bracelets? Yes. Gary Frank. Yep. Nice you betcha. Frank. Oh. Yeah. Smith. yeah. And uh, Dr. Strange Fate is uh, Garcia Lopez and uh, Kevin Nolan. That's right. I was just going to say that, Kevin oh. Nolan. Mongol. Has turned into one of my favorite villains. Just Mongo from, Jr. Hmm? Mongo but, Jr. Yeah, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter what, what, which one, because, I mean, they're basically the same character. They're interchangeable. I mean, the, the new one has has a little bit more uh, interesting backstory. But, yeah, Mo- Mongol's great, you know, whether it's in the, the whole uh, Sinestro core. But uh, now it was the uh, the elder Mongol from the Alan Moore story, right? The, um, the Superman... Um, Oh, help me out with the name. Um, DC uh, Comics presents, yeah. Yeah, the, the the for the man who has everything. Yeah, the the Superman annual. Yes, yes. I mean, which is is one of my all time favorite Superman stories. But uh, yeah, I mean, Mongol Mongol is an awesome awesome character. I I'm so glad that they've brought him back and and wrapped him into to what's going on with the uh, with the Green Lantern happenings. So looking looking forward to seeing how he gets well, tied into uh, to he he, he does have. Um, Ties to Coast City, we could say, for those who, who haven't read mm-hmm. that. So, <laughs> yeah. Or who have, and it just kind of leaves a funky taste in your mouth. But yeah. Yeah, so there's history there, which is cool. It works. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Why don't we start with young Jason this week? Jason, you want to start us off? Oh, geez. What's he doing? I don't know. He left. <laughs> Oh, I'm, just, oh, I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm here. I'm here. No, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Talk- no, no. I was talking. I guess my laptop uh, is laying against the mic. It uh, it pressed the oh. button. Sorry about that. 
I'm sitting here <laughs> talking. I said I'm only in for another three days. Peeing. <laughs> no, not peeing this time. I wish I was to be funnier. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I am young for another couple days here. So let me see. Uh, uh, let's talk about um, uh, two books. I want to talk about two books because I want to juxtapose them if I could. Um, Love that word. Love it. Big, big two, words. Two number one issues that came out last week. Um, one, absolutely fantastic. Can't wait for the next issue. The other, probably one and done. Tried it. Not going to keep with it. Oh, that, uh, that should, I, should I start with the good or the ugly first? Doesn't matter. We'll all, okay. we'll bring it home for you. Okay. Um, the first one then is uh, is God Complex, which Ooh. is an image book. Um, it's uh, it's it's the new book by uh, Oming. Um, it's created by Oming and uh, Daniel Berman, and art is by uh, John Brolia, uh, who I'm not familiar with prior to this work, but. Uh, um, the the solicit really caught me because it's uh, you know obviously been loving Herc, loving Thor. I, I love mythology in general, and this is essentially uh, a story of um, you know not not that unfamiliar story. It's 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 Apollo decides to um, give up his immortality so he can uh, enjoy life as a uh, as a mortal and and all that means. And uh, and he, he comes down from uh, Mount Olympus and he's living as a dishwasher in a Greek diner. And uh, as you might imagine, Zeus is pissed off about it, and he wants to figure out a way to get Apollo to uh, come back to the world of the immortals. So the whole premise seemed really cool, and uh, they had a couple pages of preview art in, pre- in, in previews, and it looked nice. It looked very, um, you know, it looked a little bit like Oming's artwork, but it's by this guy, John Brolia. But not surprising that Oming would pick someone that had his styles to, uh, to tell his story. Um, but I have to say that uh, that now that I got the book in my hands, it um, it, it left me wanting. Um, mm-hmm. the, the story is is fine for what it is. A- again, it's a, f- a fairly predictable first issue, kind of sets up what I just said. But but uh, the production values are really, in my opinion, far below what we've come to expect from Image. Um, I, I, to the point where I just I, I I have to hope that that it was a you know it was a one-time deal and, and for whatever reason they're going to get him straight um the the biggest thing is that and i don't know if have any of you guys read this chris you, did you try this out I, I i thumbed through it and um i left it on the shelf i was like yeah eh. it, you know, honestly omen hasn't really done anything mm-hmm. um writing wise since cross Bron- cross bronx mm-hmm. that i've enjoyed and uh i'm thinking that you know that was that was really he and he and ivan brandon uh, working together, and I've really started to like what Ivan does writing-wise. So, um, love Omin's art, love Powers. Not too wild about his writing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I paid um, up till number three. What's that, Vince? I, I'm paid up on God Complex till number three. Did not get the first one yet. Okay, well, because then I, uh, not... it's on that skip week with the boxes. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll be curious when you do get it because I know you are a stickler for uh, art and certainly the construction of a book. Um, the thing that strikes me about it is it's like um, it, it looks fuzzy, uh, almost as if the uh, the art was was drawn in a scale, a smaller scale, and then when they blew it up for the for the printing process, you know, it started yeah. to pixelate. It was and, pixelated. Uh, hmm. Yeah, really fuzzy around the edges, and it looks it, it it's just I don't know, and and I'm sure obviously given the dimensions of a standard comic book, that isn't the case. I'm sure the art was drawn to scale. That's right. or, you know, I'll take a look at it because you know sometimes it can just be. You know, Vince knows this as much as I do without getting too dorky. Sometimes that's a preset that they could have sent a finished file and it could have been delivered incorrectly, you know, yeah. wrong specs. So, could, I mean, that's, that's better, stuff. It could yeah. be printing the Quark image file. That happens a lot at our place. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Quark will default to the image file, which is a visual placeholder on the screen, but yeah. it doesn't reference the actual digital file, yeah. which has the correct DPI. So, yeah. Or even okay. if you send a PDF, it could have just been exported incorrectly. Right. So, sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, happens. that's possible. The other thing about it is, uh, and this is, I know this is nitpicky for some, but it just, it just baffled me that you can, um, in one of the frames, the lettering, there are actually, uh, letters overlaying other letters that don't belong there. Mm. And then there are letters in words that, that have no place. So it's just, it's just, it's just totally mislettered. And mm-hmm. it just drove me up a wall. And again, I know that's nitpicky, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's a, it's, you know, it's a $3 book. That shouldn't happen. It's by image. And I guess I was just hearkening yeah. back to what Vince had said about the early issues of Powers and how poorly edited they were from that, from that, you know, with typos. And, and I, I just have to wonder if this team just doesn't really, you know, if Oming's just not a stickler for those kind of things because it's just, yeah. I'm reading it. And I'm like, what the hell is that word? And then I'm like, oh, it's actually, there's a D inserted. Where there shouldn't be, and then I'm like, oh, and what's that? And like, oh, there's a letter on top of another letter, and it's just, uh, that, yeah, that it's should, just that's that should never happen. Yeah, in a number, you know, I in mean, a number one issue where you're trying to get the the uh, at least the feeling across to your readers that this yeah. is something that you care about, therefore they yeah. should, you know. But it, it, <laughs> it did happen, and the fact that it did lend, uh, I haven't seen it obviously, lends me to believe that they weren't hand lettered; they were just using digital fonts because it's a hell of a lot easier to drop a D when you're typing than it is. I mean, if you're going to letter and you put a D where it doesn't belong, you know. You just described 95% of the comments you've made today. Yeah. Well, but again, I I will buy anything with Oming's name on it. So I did advance order these, but Mm, how is Omega Flight? I I have them, but I have to tell you the truth. I have them, but I haven't read them. I read the first, I read the first issue and that was like, "Mm, I'll let these build up. But, um, yeah, I. Uh, what was I going to say? You, you done didn't disrailed me with the letters, the hand lettering. Yeah. Um. Is it like powers where yes, there are glitches in the machine, but the overall story is strong enough that it can propel you past it, or is the story equally weak and everything starts to annoy because there's nothing really strong about this. There's nothing to push you past the the rough spots. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, I don't want to disparage too much here because it's the first issue, and it, it by definition, right. it's a setup issue. But, but the, uh, I, I'll say it like this: at least from what I've read of Oming, and I have read Omega Flight, I've read a little bit of Mice Templar. Um, I would agree with Chris's assessment. I think Oming is a kick-ass artist, and it's great to see. You know, Powers Number One came out a few weeks ago; it was beautiful. But so far, he has not shown a great touch with the dialogue in my opinion, on the, on the stuff I've seen him write. Wow. So this book just didn't, again, this was pretty by the numbers um, set up. I think he's got uh, some good core ideas. But, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, you know, he's not just, I don't think he's just the artist on, on uh-huh. Powers. I, th- I think that that book is very much sure, um, sure. co-developed between he and Bendis. And, and I, I th- <laughs> what I like about Powers is that um, I love the idea you know, I love the dialogue. Always have, and I mm-hmm. think that I think that Omin brings out the best in in Bendis in that book. It's uh-huh. uh, I think they balance each other very well. But I think I think Omin needs someone like Bendis to flesh out his dialogue. Yeah. That's why I thought uh, Cross Bronx was very good because I think okay. that uh, I think that Ivan Brandon um, kind of served that um, that that Bendis role in that in that mm-hmm. book. And it's also I think it's I think it's Omin's best art. I thought it was an absolutely gorgeous miniseries. Some some stuff that he was doing that I hadn't seen him do in in Powers. So. Okay, 
Hmm. Cool. Jason, you kind of, the the tone when you mentioned Mice Templar, you don't like Mm -hmm. that? Not digging Um, it? I didn't mind it, but um, I think I unfairly judged it because it came out around the same time um, against Mouse Guard, which to me I think is far superior on every level. So Hmm. I just just didn't didn't continue on with it because to me... Mouse Guard was just, you know, a treasure, and so, and just, I, I couldn't help but to, and again, I, that's probably unfair of the, the craft to compare it to that, because it's just because they both have mice in it, but but it was, I, right. I was finding myself comparing the two, so I just didn't. Uh, See, I'm on the flip I thought, side. I, I thought the first really? issue wow. it was yeah. incredibly confusing. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm, I have I'm, probably, I'm, like, I'm a moderately educated man that reads a fair amount of comics, and whenever, whatever a comic is, right off the bat, incredibly confusing it's it's kind of a hard sell for me and mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't know what that first issue really was and so mm-hmm. i decided not to keep up with it wow mm-hmm. okay i guess well, i'm the lone voice of of dissent i guess i guess so yeah because um, I, I i think uh mice templar kicks mouse guard's ass all over the place yeah. huh. okay yeah. well to, to well, each is that right yeah, Mouse Guard is what it is. I I, yeah, I like Mouse Guard, Mouse Guard a yeah, lot. I, I think Mouse yeah. Guard is, is is much more all ages. Um, yes, yes, uh, yeah. more storybook. Yeah, so, yeah. Cool. Well, um, and then I said I wanted to juxtapose it. Uh, so um, the the reason I picked the two is uh, aside from they both came out the same week in our number ones is that uh, this book I'm about to talk about, which I loved, is actually also uh, written by uh, by. Two guys who are primarily known, uh, much like Oming, uh, for their illustration chops. And that is uh, Vertigo's Day Tripper, uh, <laughs> which is Gabriel Ba and Fabio Moon, who are brothers, for those that don't know. Um, they are two brothers who are uh, making quite names for themselves. They both have worked with Fraction on Casanova. Um, they also uh, were the uh, artists on um, both uh, the Umbrella Academy series. Um, they're Brazilian brothers. And um, this, 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 this is a 12-issue maxi-series called Day Tripper. Um, and it's it's been in the works for a long time. It's been something I know that they've they've been. It's sort of one of their dream projects. Um, they they co-wrote it and co-illustrated it. So it's just it's just them. It's uh, colors by Dave Stewart though, um, which I think actually really do serve the book well because uh, a lot of their stuff up to date has has uh, at least kept with Casanova was was uh, like monochromatic, um, still badass though. But uh, this book was. Um, I mean, I kind of bought this sort of unseen because there wasn't a lot of. There wasn't a lot of you know clarity as to what this book was about before it came out, other than it uh, you know it drew a little bit from their experience growing up in Brazil. But um, I got to tell you, I thought this book was just a masterpiece, start to finish. Um, it, it it it's it's like I said, it's a twelve issue series, but this issue by itself, you could anyone could pick this issue off the shelves, read it, and be completely satisfied. And now I don't know if they have intentions to do each issue the way they did this issue, and I'm trying to be coy about about what I mean by that, but but I would liken it to, at least in the construct, the way that Local was, where, you okay. know, with Brunwood, where, where Local was 12 issues, mm-hmm. but each issue stood on its own and had its own theme beginning, you know, had its own beginning. But, and yes, but, it, it, was connect, but it connected overall. Right, right. And then, but the, the, you know, the totality of it had a clear message and an uh, underlying string that kept it together. I suspect that's what this is going to do, too. But, uh, man, I mean, these guys, if I, I don't... They, they, they have... St- they have ceased being these, you know, somewhat unknown guys from Brazil, and they—I mean—they are names that I look for now. And if 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 I see a a, a Ba or Moon book, either one of them, I'm mm-hmm. buying it. I'm buying it because it's 
I, I haven't read anything that they've worked on that hasn't been freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question. And and this is the first thing I've seen them write. And uh, and neither of them English is not their their principal language either. Um, so I, I know I follow them on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> but it's but, but it's not every third tweet is actually in English. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and again, I don't want to. Um, the, you the the title of the series Day Tripper I think is indicative of what we're going to experience throughout the book, which is basically a day in the life. These are day in the life stories, or at least his first issue was. But I, I don't want to give up any more beyond that, other than to say that um, that the book hit me in the gut and and left me in a place that I really didn't see it going until that last page. Um, and, uh, and, and I don't know whether it was 22 pages or 30 pages. I didn't count it, whatever the, uh, but boy, I'll tell you, um, this was a completely self-satisfying issue in a time when we all know it's pretty much about arcs and waiting for the trade. And this one issue just completely satisfied me and I can't wait for the next one, but I don't need the next one to know what happens, which, you know, There's, so often uh, with first issues, you know, you, you don't you get should, that. So you should check out a book that they, um, that they did called, um, uh, details, Kind of like details, uh-huh. but details, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's just kind of an original thing that they did together. I think you would really really enjoy it. I'm trying mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think who put it out, but uh, also um, didn't didn't Gabriel do um, the BPRD 1947? I think he did. I just haven't read that yet. Yeah. So I- oh, it was absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely. Yeah, and they did uh, Pixu as well, which I mentioned yeah. a couple months ago, the horror book. Yeah. Um, which is tight. I don't know. If, yeah, did you guys? Any of you guys? Or uh, any of you guys? <laughs> did you guys? I, I've, I've got. It. I haven't. I haven't read it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the box. Uh, Vertigo. I got to tell you, Vertigo is putting out a ton. I mean, there was that lull for Vertigo, you know, with Y winding down and Hundred Bullets winding down, and there was a lot of talk of what's their next big hit. I don't know if we know what their next big series is, but a lot of the stuff they're putting out lately Sweet, has been. Baby. Yeah, Sweet Tooth and This Day Tripper, and um, I've heard great things about Unknown Soldier. I haven't actually read it yet, but I'm dying to because I keep hearing great things about it. And obviously, Madame Xanadu and uh, and and Unwritten, and uh, I mean, it's, it pretty much they they've hit home runs on almost they everything. Had a, they, they, had, they had a really yeah. nice year. It really did, yeah. Mm-hmm. So hat tip to Day Tripper. Give it a, give it a shot. It's it's definitely worth your your uh, your your. your you, I think it's one of those things you could buy that first issue and and even if it's not your cup of tea, you won't feel like you you were jobbed because it was you know um, one fifth or sixth of a story. I mean you'll you'll get a whole story in this issue and and it'll inform you from there if you want to invest in the rest of the series. Yes, cool. and the and the book I mentioned is um, um, details and it's D E uh, apostrophe. Tales, and it's uh, from Dark Horse, and it retails fourteen ninety five, and it's awesome. It is it is a beautiful book, especially um, if you like uh, Casanova. It's it's the it's definitely the Casanova style art from Gabriel, and then Fabio's stuff is just kind of that you know little bit cleaner line, a little bit more defined, but but still um, still absolutely beautiful. So those guys are awesome. They also did a uh, a book called Ursula, put out by uh, AIT Planet Lar back in two thousand four. Oh wow! They all over are the place. Planet Lar are they still producing comics? Yeah, mm, they are. Do they? Yep. I haven't seen yep. anything in a long time. Yeah, they have stuff in the previews every once in a while. Okay, yeah, maybe every other month. I, I don't really pay. St- Close attention to it, but I'm. I recall seeing them in this last preview. So yeah, yeah okay. pretty sure, okay. pretty sure. You gotta nice. love them, them Fabios and Gabriels. They're awesome. Well, hell's yeah. <laughs>
Hey, 11 o'clockers. This is G-Dog from Grand Rapids, Michigan again. Wanting to give out another shout-out to my city's uh, library system. Uh, once again, man, I went in there to take some books back and was just perusing the shelves. And on the shelves, again, just a small local branch, you wouldn't believe it, I got the Zombie Survival Guide from Max Brooks on there, just sitting there on the shelf, man. I didn't even have to look through their system and put it on hold. So you got that. You got, uh, let's see here, Blue Pills, a positive love, st- love story by uh, Frederick Peters, which is an interesting book. I guess it's uh, it was done in France. It translated over English. That was pretty interesting stuff. I like that. Another great book we got here is The Alcohol, uh, the Alcoholic by Jonathan Ames and uh, Dean Hespiel, which was an excellent book about a, a guy's struggle with substance abuse. Another great OGN. I highly recommend that. Uh, and so far, the one I've been liking the best was the big old collection of the two American Splendor anthologies. It's a really thick, like 400-plus page uh, combination. It seems like they released it around the time of the movie because uh, uh, Giamani is on the cover. So, yeah, I've really been digging that. And so, again, these were just books sitting on the shelf waiting for me to pick up, uh, waiting for anybody to pick up when I got there. This isn't even counting the stuff. If I were to, say, look up Jack Kirby on uh, the library system and start reserving books that would get shipped to that branch. So, man, somebody in Grand Rapids uh, public library system, somebody there has some kick-ass taste. And lastly, I want to leave off with a great find. Uh, I stumbled upon it a used slash cheap bookstore here in Grand Rapids. Uh, one of those stores that sells books that you like overprint and things like that, whatever you want to call it. I got the um, OGN Sentences, The Life and Time of M.F. Grimm uh, by Percy Carey, M.F. Grimm, and uh, Ronald Wimberly, which is some really good stuff. You know, it's a life story of, you know, a rapper that, you know, he's an OG rapper, but, you know, he almost made it, but he's still kind of obscure to a lot of people. It was a great book, too, so... I paid five bucks for this, regular price, um, 1999. So for the stack of books I just read, I only paid five bucks, and I got all this kick-ass reading done over the past week. So, man, again, I got to give it up to the Grand Rapids Public Library System. They know what they're doing. Thanks. Bye. I got lots to talk about. I'm all cracking. All right. I just want to say one thing about a book that came out today. I will not talk about the details of the plot at all, but I will say X-Factor 200, Peter David's single best (laughs) issue of X-Factor. Wow. It's the the best single issue he's written since he jumped on board the book. I'm I'm geeked out to to get it now. I can't wait. It's amazing, but that's not really what I want to talk about. The art, uh, pencils by Bing Casino... Cancino, sorry, Bing Cancino with Marco Santucci on pencils, but the inks by Marco Santucci and Patrick Piazzalunga, you would swear Alfredo Alcala inked the first. No way. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. (laughs) The ghost of Alfredo Alcala lives in this book. It's the, the art is unbelievable. It's so nice. And, and it's, Wonderful to see a really, really strong art team on X uh, Factor because, let's be honest, the book had its ups and downs. Oh yeah! In, in the previous incarnation, just when you caught the groove from an artist, they'd put somebody on, eh, not so great, and then you'd have a stretch of you know mediocre to 
fine issues, but nothing that really stood out as Kept being getting messed with. Parti- yeah, particularly yeah. Uh, of merit or ex- uh, extreme merit. This is awesome. It's unbelievably well done. The 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 inking is so lush. You'd swear Alcala inked this. And it's not real heavy-handed Alcala, but the, that that gorgeous, beautiful way of texturing that Alcala had and the slight wetness to some uh, th- uh, materials that he would ink. It looks like a lot of the Conan stuff he inked over Basima looked wet. Like mm-hmm. it was, you know, that's in this too. It's just unbelievable. He draws a super cute, especially there's a splash page with Valeria and Franklin. You would swear Al- Alcala inked that. It's awesome. There's a drawback, though. There's a drawback. There's a long initial story, a nice second story featuring Teresa uh, trying to come to grips with everything that's happened to her up until now. But then you get a lot of Ohatmu pages, a lot, and a complete reprint of the Jamie Madrox series number one. That's not. That's not. But it's. But it's only. And it's six ninety nine. No, it's four ninety nine, and it's still worth it. Because the, the you know if you want to hook five dollars and you're getting you're getting Wikipedia pages and a reprint, nice. But put yourself in the shoes of a person who has never encountered this team before. That's yeah. You, you get, might as well jump you get, in on issue two hundred if you've never read them before. Well then, so why, so bother? Now, now why bother? Why bother even soliciting? The, you know what I mean? It, it's make a, make, make you how, about, have, how about you just, how about you just make a two ninety nine. Issue two hundred and have a good story but, in it. No, the Here's first the, the first story is longer than it runs longer than twenty two pages. Oh, it's, it, it is more than twenty two pages. Oh yeah, yeah, David. There's a there's a part in this where Longshot's doing the old touching an object and trying to get you know the the events surrounding the object. Yes, and the, mm-hmm. the narrative turns into black and white with really? lush washes. I, I I tell you, it looks like Alcala did it. Gorgeous, and that's the only you know that he's so strong a graphic presence that all you have to do is say Alfredo Alcala, and anybody who's seen his work knows what it looks like. That's what this looks like. It's friggin' gorgeous. But anyway, yes, if if you haven't read X Factor, oh my God, go get this because it'll give you everything you know about the team. A hell of a hook for the first issue, which probably will be an extended story because it doesn't look like it's going to be solved quickly. Uh, nice character bits, and you get to know where Madrax came from in in the interim. He wasn't always hooked to uh, Myra McTaggart. So, yeah, great stuff. But anyway, what I wanted to talk about, the, the meat, the main course. I don't know if you remember way back in episode 15 when we had uh, Jefferson Workman on, when he and I talked about the first two issues of Ted May's injury. Wait, time from- out. Uh, for those that might be confused out there who are devoted listeners, uh, you mean episode 15 of your previous podcast, correct? No, I mean episode 15 of, of this show. You, I think you weren't on. One of you wasn't oh, on, so, so Jefferson stepped back. Yeah, so Jefferson stepped in, it may, it may and been, Tom uh, was on, too. For filling in for the part-timer at that point. Yeah, Tom go. was on, a part-timer. and Jefferson, and we talked about issues one and two of Ted May's Injury from Buenaventura, which is a hysterical book. And then I followed it up, massive episodes later, with the the predicament that Buenaventura was under because of Diamond's minimum order policies. Remember what they did? What their, um, I would think, uh, solution to the problem was to offer injury number three in, in previews, but 
to bundle it with two other books in a package deal. You had to order oh, yeah, yeah. The, the package deal to get injury number three. And mm-hmm. at the time, I was like, well, you know, that could be a good thing or a bad thing because, yeah, I know what I'm going to get with injury. I know it's going to be funny. It's going to be well done um, indie comics, just that bizarre, quirky, idiosyncratic Ted May sense of humor. I know that. But these other two things, I have no idea what they are. But you know what? I love Ted May so much, I'm going to order them. Man, am I glad I did. So good. You get in this bundle, you get uh, injury number three, which mm-hmm. is 44 pages, cover price four ninety five. You get I Want You, number one, by Lisa Hannawalt, which is 32 pages, again, for four ninety five, And you get the 32-page Aviatrix, number one, by Eric Haven, uh, for, again, four ninety five. So all of these, I think the pre order price for these books was somewhere around the in the neighborhood of twelve bucks, which is far less than cover price. And with the discount, I think I got them for like, you know, say eight, which is a steal for these books. Um I want to start off with injury number three because it's hysterical and there was actually a page in here that made me laugh, not because it's you know, side-splittingly funny, but because Zach Krusey will probably poop in his drawers when he sees it, <laughs> so that, that that added a layer of of uh, humor to it. It it uh, it's a for those who don't know Ted May and what he does with injury, it's it's a self it's a one man show, but it's kind of like an anthology. Mm-hmm. He'll uh, you know do a couple stories about robotic detectives, and uh, he'll do a little vin- couple of vignettes in the back about Heracles. And uh, this issue dispenses with the ongoing stories from the first two. So it's basically a done-in-one uh, where he switches it up and teams up on the first story with writer Jeff Wilson. So it's uh, Jeff and Ted May wrote it, and Ted May did the art for it. It's called Burnout in the Cosmos, which is kind of based on true events, is what they say. It's a story set in 1983. It's a story of a, a troubled high school student, Jeff Wilson, he has the same name as the author, who's currently enduring an in-school suspension for fighting with the school bully. And he's forced to submit to in-school counseling because he's he has all the traits of a clinically depressed person. So uh, he's asked to recount the last time he was really, truly happy. Counselor sits him down and he's being unresponsive to all her questioning and because he's in school and you know it's a drag you have to you have mm-hmm. this person asking you about all your innermost feelings and you're a high school kid you don't know what your innermost feelings are but he he ultimately dredges up this incident involving a lazy summer day with his best friend Randy Carl Sagan and the Cosmos television series and and heavy metal <laughs> <laughs> you got it. This page is awesome. He's he's asleep on the couch. You know, he had a hard day. He's watching TV with his bud. He falls asleep, and he finds himself on a rainbow bridge uh, amidst the backdrop of, of the universe, and Carl Sagan is talking to him. He, he says, it's astounding, Jeff. The same laws of quantum mechanics govern atoms everywhere. And, and he, you know, they're, they're conversing and he says, you know, alien life may not be that alien. In fact, we can't rule out the practice of alien heavy metal. And there's a, there's a, a group of squids playing guitars and, and bashing on drums. And, and then Carl Sagan says, you know, they may even fashion instruments similar to ours and play metal more glorious than Maiden. And this is coming from the mouth oh of God. Carl Sagan. <laughs> 
<laughs> he goes faster than Metallica, and then he's making a fist, and he's looking straight at the at the reader, and he says, "Heavier than Sabbath." Now this is gold. This is Carl Sagan <laughs> talking about Black Sabbath, but. Ultimately, you know, it, it's a it's a, a slice of life high school story that we all can find little bits uh, with which to identify. But there, there's one scene that takes place in a high school cafeteria, and uh, the kids are forced to go from class to class after the quote good kids, the the in school suspension kids, have to walk through the halls with their fingers looped through the person in front of them through their their uh, belt loops like this this chain gang of shame so you know naturally everybody makes fun of them and uh they end up in in the uh, cafeteria and again this is something that we probably have all experienced within our our high school uh careers uh there's a kid and he's a, a militant very vocal fan of blue oyster cult I mean, I've known someone who loved Blue Oyster Cult with a passion, you know, and it was—it was—it's that time. So it's eighty-three. That person's name is Vince B. I do love Blue Oyster Cult. No, so it, it's that time when the cult was was very, very popular for the probably the first time in their in their career. They were extremely popular. They were riding that hit, that burning for you. Which is on Fire of Unknown Origin, I think. But anyway, so so you have this militant Bloister cult fan, and somebody br- brings up, the, you know, hey, c- kid, cool shirt. That's that's a nice Bloister cult shirt. So the militant fan gets all, you know, in a bunch. He goes, that's not an official Bloister cult shirt because the tour dates are not on the back of it. And the kid who originally transgressed against the shirt starts singing, uh, don't fear the reaper and that just totally <laughs> twists this guy's panties in a bunch because he's like they have other songs in their catalog and he gets all bent out of shape so you know i'm not going to give you every detail but the the funniest part of the story and i laughed out loud all the kids are marching back to their classrooms after lunch and the one kid starts mumbling the words the the lyrics to burning for you and they all join in so you have these these <laughs> browbeaten high school kids just singing burning for you walking through the hallway in school it's glorious this stuff is just too funny and and again to say it is one thing to actually see the way ted may draws is another he has a real uh-huh. knack for for comedy can, um, can you Sorry, I, I don't want to bust your groove. But just, could you could you paint me a picture as to the style he has? Or because uh, another thing, he can switch up styles. There's another okay. style in the back of this uh, involving a werewolf-like pilot. He's a skywriter. Uh, it's uh, he's called the mysterious beast biplane. Uh, he is involved in this case of mistaken identity, uh, concerning an underground group of aggressive, cross-dressing, agro-glam substance abusers called the Drug Queens. So that's the kind of off-the-wall comedy you'll get in this, but it looks more, uh, storybook-esque, I want to say. The, the art mm-hmm. where, uh, have you ever seen, uh, Clibben or Kilbin, the guy that does the, the cartoons of the cats? Um, I don't you know, know. It, it's kind of like that. It, it's it's not out of the uh, neighborhood of Edward Gorey, okay. or um, albeit a lot looser than Edward Gorey. Um, there's a little bit of uh, Jesus. It's hard to nail this stuff down. Yeah, yeah it, it's true because it's it's cartoony, but it's rough cartoony, which is great, and I love it. But the original story that I talked about. The burnout in the cosmos, very linear, almost as if it was a got to get it done 24-hour comic, which is not a, a swipe at it. it. It's just very immediate and very quick, 
but it does the job. I don't. I would probably wouldn't want to see it over rendered. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's almost like a wispy tale of childhood, where in uh, the the Beast biplane story is is a very embellished tale, where you have you know the the texture of the fur on the the werewolf creatures all you know rendered, and they're in a supermarket, and everything on the shelves is rendered, but it's storybook like, very sure. nice, very beautiful stuff. Um, if you've uh, ever seen uh, Atomic City Tales from um, Jay Stevens. Mm-hmm. That art and uh, Jet Cat, kind of like um, May's work, a little. I just want trying to get you a ballpark, mm-hmm. you know, uh, figure. I would say Mike Allred would not be too far off base, but he doesn't okay. have he doesn't have the classic line of an okay. Allred. So uh-huh. yeah, it's it's fantastic. But this is just the tip of the iceberg, and I'm not going to get too far into these other two because you know we only have a two hour show, but. The first issue of Lisa Hannawalt's I Want You, definitely the oddest of the trio of Strange and Wonderful Comics, and Brother That Is Saying Something, graphically manifests manifests a preoccupation with anthropomorphic animals. She has a Cronenbergian fascination with grotesque biological curiosities. She loves to do fashion, and she loves to detail sex, and combinations of all of these things. Anthropomorphic animals having sex, grotesque biological curiosities during sex. Uh, it, it's, it's crazy, and I'll just give you kind of an example of what goes on within these covers. It starts off, you know, innocently enough. There's a, an inside front cover a series of vignettes drawn in color, beautiful watercolor style, very delicately drawn. Things I wouldn't like. Things I thought I wouldn't like, but then I tried, and then they became my favorites. And there's a little drawing of chocolate yogurt, a frilly ruffled shirt, uh, owning a dog, and yoga. So you're thinking, oh, that's cool. You know, this is this is going to be a uh, uh, an everyman type deal. And then you get things I thought I wouldn't like, so then I tried them, and I was right. And there's a, a hand doing the shocker, and it says a, fi- a finger in my butt. But then, I mean, it just gets totally... You can almost hear a soundtrack where the first panel is like nice and cheerful and airy, and and then the minor chords start kicking in. By the time this thing is over, it's like Mertzbo. It's noise grinding. Some good names for blemishes. Jack the Ripper, which is an anal fisher, and she draws this super detailed drawing of an anal fisher. Then there's Violet and Whisper, which are hemorrhoids, and she draws the hemorrhoids. Unheard of. And there's a woman, and this is called the Oh Fuck, a woman with her eye, which is this huge, pustulant, malignant-looking growth on her eye, and it's all bleeding, and it's hanging down the side of her face. It's crazy. But it's beautifully drawn. I mean, if, if, if malignant biological things could be beautifully drawn, it's great. The first story really got me. It's called One Day at Work. There's a woman working on her keyboard, and she's having problems with one of the keys, and it's sticking, and she's like, what the fuck? So she gets a, a knife and pries the key off, uh, and a, ser- a series of keys, and on her keyboard, underneath the keys, is a colony of bugs. And it zooms in, and they're all having intercourse and and masturbating and drinking, and you could tell it's alcohol because there's an X on the bottle. And then it zooms in even farther, and there's this little bug that's looking at her, and he's 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 whacking off. And she she stares at him, she goes, "What the hell?" And the bug pops a his load on her upper lip. Oh shit! On her, and she's like, "Oh my god!" So she's looking for something to get it off, and one of her coworkers comes in and goes, "Oh, what's that on your lip?" And he 
fingers it off and eats it. And he goes, oh, oh mayonnaise. Oh, my Lord. No, he goes, he's, he's, oh, mayonnaise. I guess someone's been eating a sandwich. Oh, and she vomits on her keyboard. So the next page, and this is just beautiful stuff. You, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tight shot of the keyboard, and it's sizzling and sparking from all the vomit on it. And it zooms in onto that little bug that was masturbating. And he says, hey, thanks for the lube. And he's jerking off again. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> this is why I'm alive. This book right here, and, and as the story's going on, you get a... a you remember how Sergio list for mom. I know. <laughs> you know how how Sergio Aragonés used to do the the marginal drawings in Mad. Mm, well, on the yes. bottom of this on the bottom of this story, you get a series of bugs. One's pissing. Uh, one is trying to. Uh, the other one's pissing in the other one's mouth. One's reading. Another one's drinking. Then you have the sex. One's being dominated, and it just trails on the bottom of the page. So you get all this little insect debauchery and and masturbation. This is beautiful. This is this is like peeling the top off her head and looking into the things that fascinate her. I, I love stuff like Bug this. Bug sex, fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, it's it's a means of expression, you know. There's there's a beautifully drawn pair of pages featuring a she moose and a he horse, and they eventually have sex. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but the the she moose is is dressed in like a little denim skirt. And, and a nice sweater, and it's almost Jeff Darrow-esque, the precision with which she's rendered this thing. And and uh, he, the the horse has a flannel shirt on. But so like you get these little vignettes, but then they interconnect because later on there's a, a beautiful watercolor, and that's a word I'm going to use a lot with this because this this artwork is very beautiful. The 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 um, moose, it's a it's a black and white watercolor drawing of a moose, but erupting from the eyes and mouth are these spaghetti-like tendrils of I don't know what they are. So you could tell like the moose is in distress and he's got this parasite-looking thing just oozing from his eyes and mouth. And it's like, what the hell is she thinking? But it's nice to look at. It's it's really extremely well done. Hmm. Awesome. Definitely worth the, the four ninety five. but then there's one part and which made me think that I would love to be around this woman when she's drunk. Because <laughs> there's a, a Mad-esque series of common dirty talk and the questions it raises. <laughs> uh, number three, this is the common dirty talk. I want you to chop my boobs off, mold them into a penis, then fuck me with my own boobs. Wow. A- and the question that this raises is... Dude, I haven't been told that since... Uh, yeah, the, the so question <laughs> this raises is, what is the best way to adhere breasts together and get them to stay in a solid cylindrical shape? Also, question, what is wrong with you? And, and there, 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 there's a series of sandwiches drawn underneath it. I don't know, but I loved it. Uh, inside back cover, there's a, a color, watercolor drawing of a horse with uh-huh. a huge growth on the side of its face. Just wow. uh, and, and it's drawn in purples and blues, and, and you can see the veins trailing through it. And it's, uh, I can't look away. It's not something that I would want to look at, but the way she's drawn it and, and rendered it, it's, it's gorgeous. It's un- unbelievable. And then... The she moose leaves the he horse for a cat, and it's nuts. It's it's it, again. It's called I want you number one. Uh, there's the she moose on the wraparound cover, uh, laying atop a series of destroyed automobiles. <laughs> I, oh, I I don't I don't I get it. Look out for this. That's I, uh, some wacky shit, dude. Yes, uh, animals wearing hats. 
two pages of animals wearing hats. One has a, a fax machine on its on his head, and it's called the fax hat. Uh, obviously enough, <laughs> you know. Of course. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Okay, uh, wrapping it up real quick is uh, Eric Haven's Aviatrix. Is uh, oh yeah, uh-huh. this is a golden age throwback. But yeah. with with modern sensibilities, it's a series of interconnected stories of the author again, who has a problem with projectile vomiting and sudden spontaneous diarrhea. I'm I can't make this shit up. He he ha- he's on a date with a diminutive woman called Protonia. I'm talking modern age GI Joe size woman. And, and they're, they're sitting on a couch and she's just laying on, she's sitting on a pillow and he's gargantuan next to her. He excuses himself to go to the bathroom and stinks up the joint, which, nice. which shocks the diminutive woman so much that she, she, she goes into cardiac arrest and he tries to give her a little person CPR. It's nuts. <laughs> he leaves her apartment in a story called It's Okay, I'm Wearing a Tie, beats up a policeman, uh, drives his car off a bridge, is, eaten by a shark and every time something happens he says it's okay i'm wearing a tie punches the poli- <laughs> punches the policeman in the face but it's okay i'm wearing a tie and the shark completely rips his lower half off but it's okay cuz he's he's wearing a tie nuts and he, he eventually meets the title character who is a uh, biplane pilot and saves his ass Incredible, incredible comics. This, if you put this comic next to some of the reprinted work from the Marvel 70th anniversary with the vintage, mm-hmm. um, Submariner and Human Torch stories, right. it wouldn't, it would not look out of place. It's, it's done in a classic, okay. very clean style, but it's in black and white, but it, it's, it's gorgeous. Giant monsters, uh, again, explosive diarrhea, um, you know, mysterious sky beasts, and, um, uh, Princess Leia bikini wearing tiny women. It's awesome. That. So yeah, I was so pleased that I got all these for one price. And again, it, it kind of forced me to experience them, but I'm glad I did because now awesome. these two books are on my radar. They're there. That's I will sweet. pick up. There we go. Love it's, it. So it's but, nice uh, to see you, uh, for, for once in your life stepping away from, uh, the big two. The mainstream. Yeah. yeah Embrace something different. Yeah. I know. I know. But I'm, if you, if you go to the. If you could start reading some stuff that was kind of fucking out there, I think, <laughs> it, would, I think it would add a lot. I know. It would open up. He gets a little story. tired. It's like, it's like you zone in on the diamond top 50 and then you're like, I know. Which book I'm there. I talk about every week. But if you go to the Buenaventura, oh, my beer is overflowing. If you go to the Buenaventura site right now, you can get all these books for three ninety five a pop, which is a dollar less than cover price. But the I Want You, number one, by Lisa Hannawalt, and the Aviatrix, number one, by Eric Haven, are both signed. They're autographed by the artist. And I think in the case of I Want You, there's a doodle. She'll draw a little thing in there for you. So if you order right okay. from their site, you can get them with a little bonus included to make hey, it worth. I'm going to beseech you to do something. What that? Um, either put links to where we can see the artwork pages, or okay. or post a few scans of the artwork so we get a sense of it. Because I got to say, uh, not to bring up a, a sore subject, but uh, your whole Pim and Francie missive, which obviously got a little hammered and made a little fun of you and stuff. I got to say, after that. that, I felt bad, and I and I went and looked at the book. And it's pretty stunning book. Tell me. And and so um, I don't know. I just I think sometimes when you talk about these these more esoteric books, uh, obviously if you know lots of people groove on them right off the bat, but some people I think are always kind of wondering about the artwork and if it's just going to like be totally freaking them out. So if, right. if you have uh, you know if if you could just post, it's a good idea. Know, yeah, it's a very, very good idea. And I, I, I wish we, I wish we had a Google Wave that that. <laughs> <kind of weird laughs> right. Ordering. 
and, and you know, it will serve to bring people to our wonderful forum that you can find at forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com or 11oclockcomics.com. But I will say the artwork will not be up the day of the uh, episode is posted. Maybe, m- maybe, well, come on, I don't go to bed the way it is. May- maybe the night that it's posted to give me some time to get through work and come home and throw some stuff up. But, uh, yeah, they'll be there. And which is a very good idea because, uh, as much as I like to, uh, wax poetic about the artwork, I can't do any of this stuff justice because it's art. Nothing I can say yeah. is going to bring these images home other than the images. So I'll throw them up. Yeah. They're great stuff. Uh, amazing stuff. Buenaventura does good books. And you need to, you don't need to support these artists, but you should because, god damn it, they're hardworking people who are trying to express themselves in a, in a, an industry that, you know, is not too fond of that. Yeah, it's true. You know? What's up, guys? This is Jay, uh, Starring Jay on the forums. Just wanted to chime in real quick. You guys were talking about Jim Starlin and, uh, Thanos, who is one of my all time favorite characters. A uh, big fan of all the Marvel Cosmic stuff, in fact. But um, you had raised the question as to whether or not he had um, any connection to Darkseid as far as uh, uh, design, as you know, was Thanos a copy of Darkseid, um, or was he Marvel's version of Darkseid? He actually, uh, Jim Starlin has said that um, Thanos was created as a homage uh, to Darkseid and to Kirby in general, I think. Um, somewhere I had read that. But uh, also just wanted to call and tell you guys, of course, love the show. Keep up the good work. Yeah. What we right, got? We have, not heard, we have not heard from Chris or Dap enough. Well, no, speaking of the Google Wave, I know Chris has been reading a few things. He hasn't talked about a lot of what he's been digging over the past few weeks, so I'm dying to hear from Chris. Oh, there is... Okay, there, there's... Um, a big old crazy project that I've been wanting to talk about for, I don't know, a couple months now. Oh. And I'm going to wheel around my office here and grab all of my materials. Um, David are you guys materials. Familiar? Yes. Are you guys familiar with a series of novels by Frank Bedore called The Looking Glass Wars? Heard of them. Dude, Heard that is them. so... Wait a minute. Time out. That is baffling that you're bringing this up tonight. You know why? What is that? I'm sitting at the car dealership this morning getting my car worked on at a flat tire sitting in the waiting room and it's me a bunch of other old middle-aged dudes and an old lady and then in walks a balls hot chick i mean <laughs> redonkulous like early 20s she's got the you know the sweatsuit on just ridiculous looking you know could, could be a stripper for all i know and uh and, and and she's sitting there and all of a sudden i'm like you know i'm totally like prejudging her you know like i'm picturing her in my mind like wh- what she's about all this thing and then she totally flipped the script by pulling out of her bag a volume of the looking glass wars and i was like <laughs> Holy shit, I'm like, this chick is not only balls hot, she's actually pretty cool. Either that, or I'm much more like a stripper than you thought. Well, I I didn't want to bring up the banana hammock, but, you know. (sighs) No, it's, um, okay, The Looking Glass Wars, very cool trilogy of books. And I've, um, I've, I just finished the second one. The basic setup of The Looking Glass Wars is that Alice in Wonderland actually existed and not the Alice in Wonderland from the, um, uh, is it um, Lewis Carroll, right? That would be him. Yes. Um, Whose real name was um, Dodgson. Um, 
so anyway, Alice is is a real person who comes from a um, a different a different dimension that is next door to ours, and she is um, in her early childhood is kind of um, uh, exiled from Wonderland. And she escapes to Earth. Um, she's uh, she's kind of exiled here. She's escaping from her evil Aunt Red, who has um, um, just uh, performed a coup d'état and killed Alice's mother and father, who were the queen and and king of Wonderland. And so Alice escapes to Earth. And that's really what the Looking Glass, the the first one, the Looking Glass Wars, is about. Is um, is is Alice escaping from Wonderland, living on Earth? And trying to get back to to Wonderland, and there's all this other stuff that's going on, um, where she would eventually meet this guy in Oxford named Dodgson, and tell um, him her story, and and he decides to write a book about it, which we know of as Alice in Wonderland now. Okay, so it, it it's kind of a, it, it's a little bit of um, uh, the Golden Compass. Um, it, it's got a little of uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You know, if you like that kind of stuff, I think you'll really dig the Looking Glass Wars. Now, where this comes um, back to comics is that Alice has a bodyguard whose name is Hatter M. Which you know, the Mad Hatter. Her 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 bodyguard is is named Hatter M, and he gets separated from Alice between the the journey from wonderland to earth and so he spends 13 years searching for alice to try and find her and then return to wonderland where they can um overthrow red and and restore order the novel doesn't really deal that much with what hatter does on earth in those in those 13 years it really focuses more on what alice is doing in her life and then some of the stuff back in in wonderland it does it does say that that hatter is um uh, prolifically active in those 13 years that he creates a legend around himself as he literally searches the entire earth for Alice and there is a comic book series called Hatter M and it deals with the 13 years that he is looking for Alice it is the story inside of the story that they um, I don't know if it was intentionally left for the comics but um, it is it is published by Automatic Pictures Publishing um, it's uh, uh, based on the Frank Bador book uh, Liz Cavalier does the uh, adaptation and uh, the art in the first volume is by Ben Templesmith yay yes and so it is all about the um, the 13 years that Hatter M, who is a badass, um, searches for Alice and his his adventures, and it goes from Paris to London to uh, Turkey um, and and all over like Eastern Europe and Western Europe, and and then the second volume called uh, Mad with Wonder is about Hatter's um, trip to the United States. And this is 1870-ish. So it's it's just post-Civil War America and, and his adventures in, uh, uh, in, in that post-Civil War landscape. But it, 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 it's, it's a nearly impossible book to, 
describe. It's just, it's really big ideas and, and major, major world building. Um, what I would suggest, if any of that intrigues anyone out there, pick up the first novel, A Looking Glass, or The Looking Glass Wars. If you, if you like the novel, then pick up the, um, the trades of the comic series and and kind of dig into them and that will flesh out the Hatter M character. I continued on and I and I read the second novel which happens all after what's going on in the comics but continues the the story at large. It's it's really really a lot of fun. Like I said, especially if you like stuff like Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe and you know the Chronicles of Narnia, it would be right up your alley. Yeah, the thing that's going to get me to buy this mm-hmm. is the Ben Temple Smith that's the, the mm-hmm. hook for me. Not, not not a lot of love for the Allison and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's a cool story, but yeah, it, I, no, I could do it. it but it, Ben Temple Smith, yeah. I love. Oh, Temple, I, and, it, and it's it's um um it's in between his Thirty Days of Night and Fell. It's nice. not as um um as much as I loved his stuff in Thirty Days of Night. Sometimes it was too atmospheric and less form. It was more atmosphere. You know, West Form, where Fell um, was much cleaner, um, but it didn't have that you know super uh, expressive, massive color splashes. This is this is somewhere in between there, and it's it's hmm. gorgeous. But uh, no, I'm telling you, Vince, the the story it gets it gets into some really big ideas because imagination is. Is the main focus of the book. It's cool. it's the the battle between white imagination and black imagination, and Alice is um, uh, the heir to the throne of Wonderland, which is basically ruled by white imagination. But mm-hmm. her aunt, um, who was in line to be um, queen, um, started. Um, messing with the with the dark side of the force, and it's very much you know dark side of the force kind of feel to it. But she starts um, dabbling in black imagination and gets sucked into it. So it's 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 all about the the powers of imagination, and um, it's cool because Wonderland is has a connection to Earth through this big construct called the the Heart Crystal, which mm-hmm. is is the source of the powers of imagination and the people in Wonderland that would um, the inventors they would invent things and each spring there would be a big festival and they would bring all of their inventions before the queen and if she thought that they were worthy they would take the inventions and they would um, uh, toss them into the heart crystal where they would be like changed and morphed and sent to other planets and that's where like imagination originates from it's it's wild wild high concept stuff but it's it's very very fun very cool sounds good sounds like a yeah. story a story about magic really yeah it with sounds a, really cool with a k and um yeah very apropos because uh the uh the tim burton um through the looking glass mm-hmm. movies coming out i think this summer too which is uh so that stuff probably pretty pretty hot commodity at the time yeah it sounds really good I've always it, been it, curious about that stuff. It's awesome. It, it's awesome. I actually, um, I don't have that much time to read um, uh, big boy books, and mm-hmm. I drive a lot, so I actually uh, got the audio books of um, uh, both uh, The Looking Glass Wars and uh, the second novel is called Seeing Red, and uh, third novel came out uh, called Arch Enemies, and it has not come out on audiobook yet, so I may have to actually read that one. Mm. But yes, the audiobooks it. are fantastic. 
I'll definitely keep an eye out for that. Sound, yeah, it does sound does sound up my alley. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. Very cool. I do like it totally. when things go up my alley. So. <laughs> Jason, did you read my my uh, post on the forum today? Uh, about which? Buddy? When I when I said that you were going to have to eat an even bigger crow sandwich after you take a little look at Deadpool Merc with the mouth number six. Did you see that? Um, no, I didn't see that. But actually, it's funny you say that because I'm I uh, I've been on a little ever since uh, now that I got the comic room. I've been on a little bit of a uh, of a hardcover buying spree. Mm-hmm. I got pictures, all these pictures, by the way. Where's the pictures, man? They're yes, coming, dude. Yes. They're coming. I don't. I don't want to take right. pictures until the room is, you know, ready to, ready to uh, to rock and roll. But anyway, um, uh, and I checked to see if the first Deadpool Merc of the Mouth uh, premiere hardcover had been uh, solicited yet, and uh, it's still in pre-order. So, uh, but no, I have not seen that thread. But go ahead, preach on. Number, uh, I'm not going to reveal any details other than in issue number six, Man Thing, Man Thing. Okay. He's everywhere. Okay, it's 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 awesome, it, and and the it seems like the uh, the nurse Betty character just keeps losing more and more clothes every issue. Nice. That's what we want. <laughs> is it not? Man things and boobies. They, it's the two things that go very well together. Yeah. Man things and boobies. So. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying. I I hope I, I can't wait till you get to read the first trade. Hardcover because you were down on it initially. You were, you were. You I were, was very down on yeah, it. Those yeah, good days, good times, good times. <laughs> All I know is, uh, by the way, speaking of uh, being down on things, uh, my man Dap and and our man Pat Loika were on Comic Geek Speak this week talking about uh, what's to come in Marvel in 2010. Yeah, they were. And, uh, you know, for two guys that absolutely pride themselves on being all about the positivity. No, 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 don't, don't drag Pat down. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, fair enough. These two guys both pride themselves usually on being, but David, it took him all of three and a half seconds <laughs> to get negative on my man Deadpool. Like within, What did like, I say? How was it negative? What did I say? Dude, you were like, you, you made some allusion to the fact that, that, that for some reason, inexplicably, some people like him, but you can't understand why. Oh. Wow, did you just want to, like, drive a dagger into Jason's heart? Seriously. He's, Deadpool's the potty maker. He's, he's, he's the, the fun time. You know? like, I understand why some people like Matt Wagner. I just don't get it. <laughs> That's, that's my little I thing was hurt, dude. I was hurt. About Deadpool. You cut me to the quick, dude. Oh, no, man. Come on. Man. We need an intervention. That's what we need. Yep. Yep. Got to get him some of that. Uh... Oh, I don't know. I mean, maybe something will happen. We did receive a box today from Jason to David and Renee Price. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, but he won't nice. open it because it's not the holiday. Open shit up, son. Hey. It's your holiday. You're a Jew. It's your holiday. Open up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm that's what I was waiting to hear. <laughs> It's, a, it's under the tree. Don't worry. She's 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 finishing up something. She's she's uh, reading a James Patterson book on her Kindle. So she's ah, uh, which one? So why you gotta wait for her to open it up? Which one? Just because just because her name's on it. Ah, get down there and open that up. Which one? The smile about Alex Cross. Uh, no, she already read. Uh, no, I don't know if she finished. I think she did read that. Yeah, she did read that one already. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is um, yeah, I Alex Cross. It's it's the most. Yeah, recent. yeah, that's the newest one. Yep, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's I just bought it for um, for my wife actually. Yeah, she because she, she loves those books. Yeah, cool. So she's uh, but yeah, no the the Kindle. But no, I'm I'm pretty sure she's she's off next week, and and we're both off the the week. I'll tell you what, buddy. I can't wait to have you and Ray out to the house maybe this summer uh, to uh, t- to hang out by the pool and the tiki bar, have some drinks and some barbecue, and Renee and I can uh, wax philosophically about how awesome Deadpool is and what a punk-ass, <laughs> mark-ass bitch Spider-Man is. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, not going to that party, even if yeah. I was freaking invited. I, I, I want to make it. I can't front. You know what? I can't front. I, you know what? I got to say, in all the making fun of Spider-Man, uh, yesterday in my myriad of uh, Christmas packages came a package for me that I, I bought for myself, which is um, all the premier hardcovers of uh, Brand New Day up till now. So I uh, nice. look forward to Thanks. catching up because uh, it was too good a deal to pass up. So I got them for uh, 60% off a piece. So had to. Oh, wow. It's Marcos Martin, some uh, Paolo Rivera. There's some good mm-hmm. stuff in there. Kitson. Yeah. Yeah. Kitson. You got McNiven to kick things off. Yeah, it's, it, it, Get it's, in where you kitson. Yeah. And, and, and Fred Van Lenti, who was the subject of, of uh, one of our threads today, uh, I resorted to bleeding cool because I had nothing to do and I was just looking for something to read. And uh, that's what slays me. It's like, yeah. Uh, oh. Mr. Johnson posted uh, a news item that uh, mm-hmm. Incredible Hercules was ending with issue 150. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a cause for concern because that's a great freaking book. We hate to see books like that go away. And Fred cleared, cleared it up on uh, Twitter, was it? And he said, yep. you know, Remind, reminds me very much of that time that Paul Paul Cornell cleared up the confusion about. Uh, yeah, it was very reminiscent of that. Yep. Yeah. Oh no, it's not going anywhere. It's fine. No, we're good. We're yeah. good for another. Well, months. if if we do, but if if it does squeak out a couple more issues of Hercules, it's well, worth it. One fifty is almost a year's it's almost worth. A year away. One yeah. 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 So, so month, that, that's why I thought that was kind of weird. It's you know. I, I, it's not April. Whenever, whenever they decide to axe the title, I mean, they they axe the title. I don't think they're like, well, we might cancel it in a year. You know, yeah. I, I don't know, but that that struck me as a little bit weird. But yeah, I mean, whatever. It, it, as long as it's out, you know, people go, you know, before. it's a it's a fun it's a fun book. That that's you know that's actually um, one that I think gets caught in between because I think you get enough people. The trade waiters on that book, and mm-hmm. then other people that buy it in single issues. I don't think that the actual um, market for that book has been determined yet. Uh, it, it does have, especially whenever you look at premier hardcovers and trades and single issues, they put that book out in three different formats. So I think it's mm-hmm. probably really difficult to determine how how big its readership is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's, it's true. Yeah. You know, speaking of readership, again, I was uh, going through a, a David's going to get all giddy now. I was going through an old issue of Amazing Heroes, and, and I did not know this story that back in the day it, it was a, a, a piece on the switch between Alpha Flight, the creative team switch between Alpha Flight and Incredible Hulk. Uh huh. Now, now we had John Byrne on Alpha Flight, and Bill Mantlo was on Incredible Hulk, the writers. And I guess that Alpha Flight was doing doing horrendous numbers on the newsstands. Not the yeah. direct market, but on the newsstands, Alpha Flight couldn't sell f- for shit. So mm-hmm. Byrne was getting kind of, you know how John, the ego thing, Byrne was k- getting kind of depressed, disappointed, disillusioned, whatever this word you want to say. And out of the blue, Bill Mantlo called him and he said, you know, John, I've been on Hulk for a long time. Do you, would you like to switch? And so they, the, t- the creative teams just switched. Something John Byrne attributes to, you know, not being able to please the newsstand readers. That he was doing very well in the direct market, but the newsstand readers just weren't getting it because it wasn't a traditional team. They fought, they bickered, which sounds like the Fantastic oh, Four on, to me. Like Fantastic Four. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know they they very rarely went on mission missions 
as a team. You had Snowbird doing this, and 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 uh, Sh- uh, Shaman, uh, you know, off on the it other. It was just, it was just a, it was a change in the market. It's that book had every opportunity. It was a spin. It it spun out of X Men, which were ruling the world at that point. So yeah, they were going, they were approaching ruling the world, right? But mm-hmm. and then if you, I I was struck because if you notice. Everything that Bill Mantlo said in this text piece, like he wanted to get a cohesive team going and have them actually, like the Avengers, do things together. And going back, I, I look through the issues and holy crap, he was right. That there is a noticeable change in the just the interaction between the characters after Bill Mantlo gets on the book. So mm-hmm. it's it's those little fanzine, amazing hero things uh-huh. that just like they they cement what we knew but forgot. They bring it all back. Once you go through these old magazines, it's like, holy crap, you know, there you go. I'll still say that the first 12 issues of Alpha Flight are some of my favorite comics of all time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no question. Yeah. 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 Number 12, issue number 12, that was, God, what year did that come out? 83? That sound right? No, probably a little bit later than that. I'm, I'm Eight, not eighty-five, years. probably. What that was? That was, I think, my original "oh shit" moment as a comic book fan. It's like, right. what they? Uh, what they? No, that that was my reaction to it. And this is a, I mean, this is at a point in comics when when someone died. I mean, there was a, a feeling of permanence to it. It's like you know they hadn't gotten into the continual resurrection. Gwen Stacy's dead. She's dead. You know, yeah. it's uh, and an appearance by Wolverine was something to celebrate because it didn't happen all that often, aside from right. the, the Uncanny yeah. book. So it's like, whoa, Wolverine's in this. And now it's like, yeah, what's so unique about that? You know, yeah. the, Wolverine's the, in everything. The, the, the death of Guardian. I mean, that was that was the probably the first big time comic book death that I was just like, holy crap. Yeah. That that was that felt important, and it's it's hard for deaths in comics to feel important now. But I, I do remember that it's like it felt it felt permanent to me. And mm-hmm. has James Hudson ever come back? No, no, not, sure not really. Yeah. I was looking at that cover with everybody in the crosshairs, and I'm like, okay, who who can I just be fine without? And I'm at no point. Which was Guardian or Vindicator ever it's not on my be list? I'm looking at it. I'm like seriously. I'm like I don't want to see go. I don't want to see Shaman go. Well, I can my probably money, get my, my money guy. was on Sasquatch, <laughs> the gay <There> guy, <laughs> okay. the gay guy and his crazy ass sister. Who, thanks to Dark X Men, has has more than just like eight personalities. There is since 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 Vince. Open the door. Uh, there's a comics interview, uh, number 25 from. Yeah, see, way to be prepared. Um, <laughs> it is it is post uh, John on Alpha Flight. This is uh, 1985. Um, it, he's interviewed by uh, by Jim Sakura, and he wants to talk about Alpha Flight. John says, "No, no, talk about the Hulk." Jim cuts him off and says, "You created Alpha Flight and X Men, but." If you were to create new characters, would you want to own them? He says, I partially own Alpha Flight. Um, 
the reason that I created Puck and uh, Mariner was to justify the creator's percentage. I'll get on the toys and all that. Uh, certainly, I would like to own anything I create, but I have no objection to not owning things that I create in specific contexts. For example, mm-hmm. unless they suddenly come out with millions of toys that are going to make millions of dollars, I'm not going to get any of it. It wouldn't do me a whole lot of good to own the rights to uh, Spinneret. I do have some kind of ownership or whatever on Terminus. Um, no kidding. Yeah, if there ever is a Terminus doll, I get a piece of it. One always wants to own what one creates in a specific context where one can. This is in no way contradicting what I said earlier, uh, because in that context, you couldn't. And, well, okay, so he references an earlier point in the interview. Um, If I was going to create characters now, I would create very different characters from Alpha Flight. I can say that. They were never created, really, to have their own book. Wow. Huh. Hmm. Um, I oh, do then know. He, so then he goes and works on Superman. Yeah. Okay. Which is, you know, one thing that he's been that, from what I recall, Superman was one of the first characters he ever laid eyes on in a comic book. When when uh, he um, it may have been England at the time. He was very young. His uh, and he remembers looking at the Superman emblem and the yellow he saw as two fish swimming against each other. Ah. So he didn't even see the, the, the red S in the shield. Um, so he, he was always fascinated or, or, or attracted to Superman. Um, I do remember reading that uh, one thing Bill did when he took over Alpha Flight that uh, that Byrne wasn't a fan of was uh, modifying Puck. Byrne always intended Puck to be a dwarf. Nothing more, just, just a very acrobatic small person. And, and Mantlo uh, took one sentence about Puck being in pain yeah. as, and, and, and just decided to run with it and go in a different direction where Puck mm-hmm. is actually, Eugene is like six foot something. And yeah. was cool. I thought, I thought it added a lot of interest to the character. It was. I mean, it was, it was something awesome. unique. You know, instead of just being a, a dwarf that can do cartwheels, now, now, there's, now, now he's been around not quite as long as Logan, but he's lived a long life. Um, you know, he, he's got a connection to Logan, and, and, and he's got this demon inside of him that, uh, you know, it's not like we weren't hit over the head with it from the beginning because it was never anything that Byrne decided to do with the character. It's never something that Byrne had in mind for the character. So you just have somebody else come and, and which is, I, I love creator-owned work. You know, only Matt Wagner could work on a mage series. Only, only Remender can write Fear Agent, I think. Yeah, there are certain mm-hmm. certain characters and creators that go hand in hand. But when when you have, which I guess is kind of why I tend to say, especially with the big two, it's the characters first for me. Yeah, I want to see a creator that I like, whose work I like, work on a character. Oh, but yeah. I'm buying Spider Man because I'm buying Spider Man, not because Dan Slott or Fred Van Lente is writing Spider Man. Absolutely. And, and when you have when you have a character owned by big two, it's it's neat to see that character in the hands of someone else. Claremont did some amazing things in the however many years, in the decades he's worked with the X-Men, but it was cool to see other writers have a hand with it and take the team in different directions or just give them a little tweak here and there. I mean, not everybody was a winner with the team, but it, it, it was, you know, without Claremont, I don't think we would have loved Whedon's astonishing run as much as we did. Oh, sure. So it's, it's always neat. Go ahead. Now, then you have Matt Lowe, though, pretty much the best writer at Marvel for a lot of years. Yep. The, the guy that sing, the there guy was, that there, sing, there was a window. 
Matlow's a humongous talent. The guy took a flash in the pan, one-off robot toy that had absolutely no yeah. villains to speak of, just a stupid robot toy, and got 75 issues out of it and, and made it one of the best Marvel comics of that, not only of that period, but a lot of years. And then Micronauts. They threw the Micronauts at him out of the blue. Okay, do something with this. Micronauts, how many people consider Micronauts like one of the fondest remembered Marvel series of all time? Yeah, for sure. And it just out of the head of Bill Mantlow, boom. And his Hulk run, oh my God. Mantlow's a a force, yeah. And then, you know, Byrne could have done worse. I mean, to have somebody follow him on on essentially his series. Bill Mantlow, you could do a lot worse than that. You know, I think he was, his his creations were sitting pretty with, with, uh, Mantlow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just love that guy. And uh, um, is there still a, a foundation that you could donate to to help him out? I, I believe, yeah, his brother still runs. I know there's that that um, that one benefit book. Um, yeah. I'll find the, out. The, we'll add it to the show notes. Yeah, add it to the show notes because, I mean, he was in an accident. He's, he's paralyzed and crippled and needs yeah. constant attention and support. So, I mean, mm-hmm. his brother set up a foundation. You can give to it and just make Bill's life a little bit more comfortable after yes. giving, you know, so much to us. So but, much. oh, I, I love that man's work. Holy there, crap. Um, I was just reading uh, Cloak and Dagger the other day. They yeah, see there again, Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, I mean, it's he, he really did have, um, I don't know if there's any character. He may not have written the Avengers, but you know he wrote books featuring those characters. It's not like that. there isn't any. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a character in the '80s that he didn't write somewhere. I did. Did he write the X Men versus Micronauts miniseries? Oh, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. I mean, I can't. So say, then, so he wrote the yeah, X Men. Yeah. If, if yeah. he did write it, but it's yeah, no. Well, how many times have the X Men appeared? I mean, they were in Micronauts. Fantastic Four were in Micronauts. The yeah. cross pollination was crazy back then. Man thing. Yeah. Man thing, come on, man thing. Hey, eleven o'clock comics. Uh, Pat from Pullman here. First time caller, uh, long time listener. Just want to call and talk about Pat Loiga and what an amazing human being that guy is. Uh, I don't post any forums really, but I understand that you guys know him. Um, I know him from another forum, and. Uh, Dude has, for the third year in a row, sent me a full-color sketch as a Christmas present. Totally unannounced, just ask for my address. Um, this guy is the nicest guy in comics, Pat Loika. Uh, here's to you, sir. Happy holidays and happy new year. Love the shit out of you. Also love the shit out of 11 o'clock comics. Keep up the awesome work, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs> Burn also says that the only characters that had any spark at all were created by Stan and Jack. Um, uh, and and this is interesting that. considering the work he's doing now for IDW. Most of them. Uh, back in 1985, uh, he, he did say that uh, based on his experience doing the further adventures of Indiana Jones, uh, he would never work on any books that have to do with licensing again. This is from Burn. Yes. Well, geez. I mean, isn't he Mr. Star Trek now? Uh, well, Angel. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, Angel, yeah. How about this? Every character that is owned by Marvel or DC is <laughs> licensed. And, and he, he also made a comment, which is something that, that I wanted to mention after uh, Vince talked about a recent binding splurge. Uh, you brought up Quest Probe? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, I love he, those uh, things. I know. He, uh, he, I believe he said that um, the money he made on that paid for his house. Wow. Really? Yeah. So you know what happened with that Quest Bros series, right? That was originally slated to run 12 issues. And the, right. the software company that was producing these games went out of mm. business after the third. Oh, okay. So that's why they stopped funny. the series. But so I mean, Mantlow made his that's money, funny. but <laughs> I don't think that the uh, the I forget what the guy's name is that had that that software. It's it's it, it was just like little ASCII games. But uh, uh-huh. yeah, the company went kaput. Okay, wow. yeah. I'm misremembering. Okay. Uh, how did you get involved in the Quest Pro project? But uh, I'm not really sure. Shooter called me up. We were doing the computer tie-in stuff. It has to fit into the Marvel Universe. Would you like to do that? I said, okay. Uh, but Iansky, Scott Adams, and I went out for lunch. Scott Adams, that's the name right there, Scott Adams. And Scott Adams explained what he wanted, and I realized immediately that what he needed was a static universe, and that would not fit into the Marvel Universe, because the Marvel Universe is changing. So I sat down and created something that would fit into the Marvel Universe as it now is, and basically made $3,000 for 20 minutes worth of work. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which is really fine by me. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so there you go. It's good to be John. Well, I was, uh, dude, I mean, we forget what kind of heady days there used to be yes. for a while there with the comics yeah. because um, on, uh, uh, not this most recent, but the one before the uh, the episode of AC when you guys had Christian Alame on again, Chris, mm-hmm. Um you know, I mean, I mean, Christian. I, one of the things I like about him is he's so candid about, you know, how he struggled financially, and yeah. you know, it's, you know, obviously he was almost blacklisted for being so slow, and then he got sick, and you know, it's, it's kind of he feels fortunate to be back, you know, in the mainstream thanks to having a good relationship with Peter Tomasi and with Doug Monkey and stuff. But, but uh, when he was talking about how he, you know, the Lobo number one, and how he was basically like broke with no money to his name, and it was Christmas, and oh, all yeah. of a sudden, you know, the doorbell rings and it's FedEx, and he gets a check for ten thousand dollars. For, for one issue, one, yeah, for, for, for one, issue. one issue. I mean, and then yeah, how that made him think, you know, he had made the right decision. He was going to be a rich man, and you know, it just yeah. it just shows you. I mean, you know, you see, like, and you hear stories about that all the time. Like, uh, you know, some of the guys, like some of the good girl art guys, like, I mean, you see, you hear some stories from them, like, like from the from the from the nineties, and they were, I mean, these guys were on their way to being millionaires. I mean, oh, you yeah, know, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, I mean, and, you look at guys. I mean, the Image Founders, those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Most of those, I, I would assume but, most of those guys are millionaires many times over. Well, see, and Todd was the, the real yeah. smart one. He, yeah. he, Todd had the comic shop, and mm-hmm. he was lucky enough to get the first issue of his uh, self-titled Spider-Man comic at you know the price that comic book owners get it at, and he just right, turned right. around, signed them, and sold them for what two bucks or three bucks a copy, or was it five bucks? I don't know. He, I think he made a million dollars just off that. <laughs> not not counting, you know, the uh, the actual variants. getting paid and the yeah. But one more thing about Mantlo, I'm putting together a binding project. Get this: uh-huh. Sectars, which was nice. written by Bill, oh. Bill Mantlo, Animax, and the Inhumanoids. In humanoids, it was a cartoon when I yeah. was a kid, and it was fucking whack. It was the weirdest, not whack. It was I weird. know it was such a weird yeah. cartoon. Sectars were toys. Sectar- you know? Huge Sectars fan. Me too. I had the the no, toys, no. which Star which Wars? what do you mean? Star Wars was the one with the Sinkevich covers. Those yes. were other toys. Sectars were these bug like 
armored warriors that rode huge flying bugs, and you put your hand in the toy. There was like a glove that doubled as the creature's legs. Do you remember that? You'd press a button and the wings would the wings would flap. I love that shit. And um, so and Bill Mantlow wrote Sectars. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'm binding everything, man. If you stay still long enough, I'll have you bound. Yeah. <laughs> you bound to me. One, one, one last thing, because this this whole this whole issue of comics interview was just salad for interviewing Burn. So no, I'm not scanning this in. Um, oh, the uh, well, hey, I scanned in the Starlin hey. interview. I don't know if anybody read it, but I scanned in the Starlin interview. Uh, they he was talking about doing the work, Indiana Jones and. And how this woman from from Lucas was like just a pain in the ass to work with. Um, they uh, they let's see they they uh, you have Indy sitting at his desk getting drunk because Mar- Marion's disappeared, which was the page they used to advertise the book. And he goes, "But it's gone." The bottom line was because of my absolute flat rule against doing anything with licensing. Now, I turned down the Last Starfighter, which turned out to be a really neat little movie, and I would have liked to have had a piece of that. That make, that make a lot of money. Oh, man, you're, you're fuzzing out. The adaptation might have. And, oh, oh, you know what else is in this? Um, collector's item bonus, 30 full pages of previously unpublished pencil art by John Byrne. Done in, I guess, 74, in the days when Rich Buckler was doing the Fantastic Four and doing it in that pseudo-Kirby style. So I said, well, if that's what they want, I can give it to them. It's a completely penciled story. John Byrne doing a... Uh, a Jack Kirby riff, um, square heads, um, you know, the, the big, huge, uh, rock hide thing, crazy gadgets that Reed's peering into, but it's, um, you know, no letters, no inks, just pencils. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I don't know if he ever, it, I don't think he ever fashioned it into a, uh, into a later story during his run. But, um, you know, it's, it's so crazy to think about all of the, the unpublished art that's out there for, I mean, I, we were looking through, um, uh, the deluxe edition of JLA Avengers and like the original, what there's, there's a complete issue that George, George Perez did that never got published and it's, it's just out there and we'll never see the light of day. Um, we're talking about, uh, uh, Christian Alame and he has, um, like almost an entire issue of, of a series that he was working on, uh, at DC that, that they just don't know when they're ever gonna, gonna publish it. It's, it's just crazy to think about yeah. how much amazing unpublished art is out there just because a project may, you know, may have just been put on hold or, or they decided to scrap something like 90% of the way in. Or even, uh, or, or as a backup, even even if a book does come out, like like the Plastic Man or, or the Creeper serial that would have been in Wednesday Comics, but yeah. it'll now be seen in the hardcover. But you know, everybody was on time, everybody handed their work in, so we would have never seen the. Uh, it would have gone completely past me, not not, yep. not seeing a, an Evan Dork Plastic Man written serial or anything <laughs> like that. So, you know, you're right, but I mean, there are. But that's that's back in the day when there were when they needed inventory stores like like, like back when Superman had done in one issue and you know Elliot Magan or, or or Carrie Bates just you know wrote something Kurt Swan penciled it and maybe oh, Swan yeah. was fast enough and and had enough work piled up where it was sitting in Schwartz's desk drawer and and if 
if another story was late, well, they had this one. I mean, they, oh, they, shit, yeah, they'd have complete so, pencil, penciled and ink stories, yeah. unscripted, and they would just pull this shit out and yeah. write stories around the art. <laughs> so it was like, all right, what's good? Write a story around what's going on here. There you go. Yeah. I still, am I still fuzzy? No, you're, no, awesome. you're good. But you got to remember, you had a different caliber of artist back then. Yes. But see, mean, this is what kills me. What, what do you mean? Where a hack job, and that's in quotes because, like, a hack job from from uh, Ross Andrew or you know Mike Esposito or or even Jack was of a different standard than a hack job from somebody today just kicking something out, you know, to to use at a later date. Not saying that the the creeper and the the plastic man are hack jobs, but the 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 concept of inventory stories, doing something for no other reason than to have this on hand. Right. You had you had the classic artists back then. Yes. Guys that have gone down as, you know, veritable masters of the form, a lot no. different than if somebody kicked one out today. But they Yeah, had, well, they I, I another Another thing is that I, I think the way that comics are made is so different now. They, they weren't going through months and months of pitching ideas and concepts and dealing, you know, with multiple layers of editorial and these huge art teams. I mean, they had the bullpens to deal with. So it's, a, I think the entire process is just so much different now than what it was yeah. then. So. I mean, I, I talked to Norton about this a while ago and, uh, you know, about like how it's almost unfair to come, like Chris says, as a sports, as a fellow sports fan, you know, it's often unfair to compare eras, right? Mm-hmm. I feel the same thing about comics. I mean, for as much as we like to, to harken back to, to, uh, writers and particularly artists of, of bygone times, I mean, it's just a different world. I mean, you know, we talk about how much more corporate it is, but it's also expectations are vastly different. I mean, we sure. talked about this a few weeks ago with Byrne. We all love Byrne and I love Byrne's artwork, but you know, you pull up an Alpha Flight. I mean, that first Alpha Flight classic trade, you know, there are no backgrounds. And again, that was fine. And he told a great story. It didn't detract from the storytelling. And, and I'm not saying that it was a bad thing. It worked for the story, but that just wouldn't be acceptable now. Yeah. You know, that, but some like, a Mike place outside. I mean, you had that old man dragging the outline of of of, of the monster, and I mean, so there's not going to be any backgrounds in the desert well, of Canada. No, no, but that, what I'm that, saying that, is that that, 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 that would, would be get, acceptable yeah. to me. Yeah, that it would get you have to draw backgrounds. Oh yeah, because there's no birds, no clouds. Right, right. Climb. That's that's all I'm saying. Is I'm saying times have changed. You know that the, the level of detail, and sure, it's aided yeah. by technology, but the level of detail that is expected of an artist today is vastly different. And I'm again, I think some of them have oh, rose- the writing. The writing, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, oh, sure, yeah, for sure. I mean, the 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 sophistication level of, of writing in comics today is so beyond. It's like sure. you know, that's that's one of the. I, I okay, I've been tearing Bendis apart on stuff. You know what? Mm-hmm. Bendis is he's a damn good writer. It, it, I just hold him to an incredibly high level. I mean, if you're going to be at the top of the mountain, you better you you better perform. Mm-hmm. You, you look at what he does in comparison to stuff that was written. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, yeah. and there's there the bar is just a lot higher than it used to be. And you know, you talk about, you know, Marvel method, it's Marvel style just it, I, it it's a different it's a different kind of comics now. So you can't really have, you know, stock stories of art just laying around and say, "Okay, we're just going to script in here." It's just it's just I can't imagine them doing that now. But they, 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 they want, I don't know if it's because they, 
they write for the trade. You know, it's a six issue arc. It's part one of eight, and and it's just more sophisticated. Marvel Marvel has the recap page to keep you moving along, but I <laughs> sophisticated I wanna, doesn't always mean better. No, it doesn't. And I just I, oh, I no, just, no, you're I right. Vince. Footnotes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, Vince. I I think because I see I hear you huffing and puffing over there. I I don't think again. I I, don't, I can't speak for Chris, but I'm I'm not saying like everything is better now. Like I'm not no, saying no, no. it's better. I think or it's, I think it's more better. refined. I'm just saying that it's. I, I don't agree with that either. I'm saying its expectations are different, and 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 again, I mean, again, I, you know, I I don't know how that's really disputable. Like, I think fair or not, like there, sure, there are certain artists that can get away with a lot of white space and stuff because they're prominent. But but like you know, if you're if you're the average expectation now is a much more detailed style. Um, and, and again, because I understand your target audience are older. Yes, yes, yeah, you, you, you have, same, you have, stories, you right? have I mean, adults who are writing for other adults, and you also have professional writers who are writing for adults. So, yeah, I think it's more sophisticated. Sure. I think it's but more I mean, even well, Oh, yeah, and I, I get that, but the, like, the, the sophistication level of it, the, uh, and the and the target audience, I'm trying to put this together in my head, and it just baffles me that I can't get it out. Okay. You know, you had Stan writing for a late um, elementary school level to, 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 yeah. to young yeah. college students, Middle okay, to, See, to high school, and and college. and gradually over a period of time, it's now the the age level has shifted. Middle age. You know, middle age. But so, what's the difference? You, you had a, a group of, of people who expected one thing. Now you had a group of people who expected another thing. But the, the, the mechanics of telling a story between the two are the same thing. Well, see, I don't agree with that because, again, like we, we've all heard stories, and I know you're you're a, a big-time chronicler of, of – and we joke a lot about the Stan versus Jack thing. But, but I mean, even – no matter what side you sit on there, I mean, the stories are often of how, you know, Jack uh, – Stan would walk in to Jack or – to Ditko or whatever and be like, oh, you know, we got an issue of Fantastic Four to put out this week. Let's uh, do something cool, you know, and then one of them would say, well, how about we draw this, you know, and, and it would basically be scripting on the fly, like, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, in a couple hours, they'd script a book and then just write it and draw it, and then, the, you know, the artist would, 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 with their mastery, make a great story out of it, but, like, obviously we know that's not the way it works anymore. Like, you get uh, I think, I think, bad, they're, they're, you know, these guys, most of these guys write full scripts now, like, they, they, they 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 labor away for you know for a week to two weeks at a time and send a guy a full script that's it takes three to to four months to get to 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 illustration and print and again I'm not saying it's like a better way but I'm saying it's a much more complex like sure. structured oh, way oh yeah it is hey man I, th- there's a book that we all love dearly that is a perfect example that I think um, illustrates the point maybe more than any of us can can articulate, and that's Godland. Godland is an absolute love letter to uh, Kirby Lee early Marvel work. Mm-hmm. Would you guys agree? Yeah. Oh, of course. The, the, the level of, of sophistication in the writing and the scripting of Godland is so far and Beyond what Lee and Kirby were doing, I don't agree with Marvel. that at all. Oh, oh, oh! No, so, so I, no, no, no. Is such such a more modern voice? It, the, the dialogue, Stan. Okay, it's 1960s dialogue. Stan, great innovator, great idea guy, great mind. His dialogue is so dated. It is so of its era. It is almost 
unreadable now. Oh my god! Oh, I don't, I don't agree it that. is almost unreadable. Oh come on, guys! Really? No, I don't fuck that. Oh come on, no. crack open. That's crack like saying that's like saying Citizen Kane isn't watchable anymore. I mean, it's no, it's, it's, no, dated, no, it's no. different time, but it's, it's Citizen still... Kane holds up. Stan Lee's dialogue from from the nineteen sixties. I mean, Be, you're you're, no, you're it, expecting it, it, it to it doesn't hold up. It you're you're expecting it to magically if, become if, if, your if era's jo- dialogue. If Joe Smith writes a comic, puts it out on the stands tomorrow, mm-hmm. and it is Stan Lee nineteen sixties dialogue. No one buys that comic. It gets made fun of. Because it's a, it's a different time, but, but to say but to say it doesn't hold up, why can't? No, it doesn't hold up. Of course, it doesn't hold why up. Why should it? Why should it hold up? Well, I don't know. I like watching. Those it's not gonna. It's not gonna come knocking on your your modern age door and say, "Hey, I'm here." When I say it doesn't hold up, I mean that you can't use. You couldn't release that stuff as new in today's market and have it and have it sit on the on the comic book palette. Like it did. In, yeah, but it was, you say that for any artistic, any artistic display, though. That's what I'm saying. You you couldn't put "Gone with the Wind" out right now. It would get laughed at with that dialogue. Yeah, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's but that doesn't make it not a classic. Like I can watch "Gone with the Wind." No, I watch "Gone." I, I'm, I'm saying like. So I'm saying I guess not classic. I'm just I'm just saying that by today's standards, it's childish because it was produced for essentially children. But again, to get back to yeah, the concept of so, Stan's no literary giant. I mean, you know. Come on, it's it's. He was a great idea guy. It's and he was he was fun, and it was amazing. Again, I I think you're expecting the 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 dialogue to raise itself up to what you expect it to be, and it's not going to do that. It's of its time. I no, I don't expect it to raise itself up to where it is. I understand where it is. I I understand the era that it was written in and the audience that it was written in, and that's fine. And it's quite. It is the. It's the bedrock. It's the foundation of that entire universe that we still read today. And I, I, I it, it is, it is on top of the mountain as far as its place in comics history. But to the, but, okay. but to the, but to the modern um, comic book taste, it's, it's, it's antiquated. But it's, I mean, it, it. I think they're like, okay, let's just take one character for example, Thor. That Thor speak that Stan pushed way back in the day. Yeah. That says everything it has to say. I mean, it's primal. It's 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 uh, unnecessarily lofty. But you knew the guy was a god. You knew the guy was way far removed from what you could ever hope to be. And he he had a, a nobility because let's face it, he's he's a god. That I mean, Ben Grimm had the 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 lowbrow sensibilities of of Joe Average and talked in an everyday tone. I mean, yeah. the the reason yeah, they right. worked I'm because not, they were I'm no simple does not, not but I'm simple not does that. not necessarily mean that it would be laughed at today. He they they distilled yeah, it to it what would, it had it to would. do. If you if you released uh, it uh, would by tight asses who are expecting something to be it's that it's not. What I'm saying is no, but why can't you just appreciate this this stuff for, I'm for not what it is. I don't appreciate it. I understand where and when it was written for. And what I'm saying mm-hmm. is that you couldn't get away with that today. It, it's that. Oh, well, I, okay. I think you guys are not necessarily disagreeing because I agree. Like I'm thinking again. I'm trying to think of other mediums and saying what I agree. Like if I watch Maltese Falcon, right? Like obviously, if a movie came out, like oh, coming to your studios theaters today, Maltese Falcon, and I watch it, and it was like. Black and white, grainy. It had like this ham-handed dialogue. I'd be like, 
what the fuck is this? Okay, so I agree with you there. But if I watch Maltese Falcon tomorrow, I'm like enjoying it for what it is, right? So I, I think you're like, I, I, I guess I see your point, Chris, and that yes, and it gets back to what I was saying is that expectations have changed with time, and that's just the nature. That's the nature of the beast, right? But, but I guess what I guess my my point on that is though is that, is it just that what I was trying to get at originally was if was you think that, that's hot, I'll just circle you with this ring of fire until you can cool off. Sonny, that flame of yours don't burn me forever. And when it dies down, I'm going to mince me out of you. That is right from Fantastic Four. I see nothing wrong with that. What do you want it to say? (laughs) I'm not saying it's wrong. Well, no, I think what he's saying is... No, but how much better could that have been? I mean, for what it for what it needed to do, and the five seventy four from Hickman. I I understand that, right? I understand that, but in that in that situation, what those characters are doing, what would they? How would they embellish that any differently to say anything more than it needs to say? I I don't see this. I'm not getting. I don't understand. I'm trying to understand the concept of why it's not. I think a lot of what this comes down to is that is that. I'm a dialogue guy and Vince is an art guy. And I, <laughs> okay. No, I, I mean, that, that's, that's one of the things that, I, why I really enjoy comics and what I look for in a comic. It's, it's, I, I really put a premium on, on dialogue. It's, it's, and, I, and to I, your I, point, I, I lived I that wanna, stuff. Huh? So I, I lived that stuff. So I have a link yeah. to that, those. Sure comics that you not don't so i may be looking at it a little more fondly i mean i may have the rose-colored glasses on because that is the shit it is never going to get better than that never oh, you know man, I, I was watching i was watching old uh, tom baker era doctor who episodes this right. last weekend um i remember them so fondly still love them i see them for what they are um the production values dialogue you know everything it's you know it's it's a refined craft and you know thank god we as as a society hopefully get get better at doing things and and refining you know what we do culturally and and i think the comic books have come an incredible way in in what they're able to do from a scripting standpoint from 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 dialogue and 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 even art in a lot of in a lot of cases so it's it's not necessarily better i think it's just time relevant and it's a it's a level of sophistication okay. so i i love those dude i just read that out of my fantastic four omnibus all right but I, okay five dollars now did, i didn't have buy you, that because i think it's stupid have it's you ever stupid. been around someone who needlessly embellishes their speech with words that they could have said yeah. just as easily like uh, i'm i'm traveling to the the market to procure a you know you know what i mean like well, guys like that, that many times in my right life. and and so so <laughs> you're trying <laughs> to inject I guess, no yeah. you're just trying to inject a level of sophistication right the same about you and and you're trying to <laughs> in, no, you know all right i'm just saying <laughs> maybe okay I'm just kidding. So, so this person is just trying to make this flowery language say something that he could have said, like, I'm going down the corner to get a sandwich. You know, it, and that's what the old stuff does. It, it just, it, it's very plain. It's very comic booky. I mean, these guys wrote the book on it. This is, they, they, there was no map of this new comics world. They, they were the cartographers. They threw everything down. They charted the course. And now we're just finding, Hey, for its time, Steamboat Willie was a, a hell of a cartoon. 
And there's something magical about and and it and it is the the bedrock that that uh, multi bazillion dollar um, corporation is is built on. Okay, right. but it's they had to go beyond that. They had to refine their craft, and 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 now we have up. Okay. Yeah, but it's enchanting as it is. I mean, it's it's a, a bunch of creative types expressing themselves regardless of the uh, amount of money that they didn't have you know they did what they could with what they had and and for yeah. this this little thing is 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 a beautiful piece of 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 art and it's just dude I'm, I'm i don't not, know what the, I'm i don't not, know i'm not i'm not discounting it for for what it is and and its importance and and at the time that it was done that i mean hey man fantastic four there had never been anything like that Ever before in the history of comics, and it was groundbreaking, and, and it was inventive, and superheroes didn't talk to each other like that. It was yeah. it is an absolute triumph of its time. It's and thank God we've moved on past it. Wow. See, okay, that's cool. You know, but I'm, I'm just I'm just yeah. thinking like if you took a a person, uh, you had a time machine and you pulled a person from from 1963 into the present, they'd be at a loss too. Sure. You know what I mean? So I mean, you can't expect to take something out of a out of a time period and make it work in your time. No, you, you know, yeah, you and if that doesn't mean it's bad or it's lacking, it's not lacking. No. It's it's in comparison to what you may think our current standards and practices. Maybe it's lacking, but it's it's I I don't know how else to say this, and it's friggin' killing me because I want to say it, and I what I was can't. that at a time friggin' what Stan was doing at one point he was doing. What, 16, 16 books a month or something? Yeah. Yeah. I and, mean, you know, it's easy to do when you're looking over shoulders and taking notes from the guys that are actually yeah, writing yeah, the books. Yeah, well, the thing, that's, that's the thing. No, but it's, oh, I love it when you guys grow. He that's wasn't the best. writing full scripts. He was, he, was, he was scripting in dialogue exactly. that, that, that Jack and, and other guys were, you know, in Ditko and those guys were drawn. But, I mean, that's that's the level you know, of Jack was like, how do I spell Spider Man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Look at your original outline when you created them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kidding, kidding. But yeah, yeah I mean, this is a, this is a nut, a tough nut to crack, and yeah, and it's something right. that I mean, I'm of the opinion that it it ain't never going to get better than Fantastic Four. Never. It's that's that's it's the Beatles. It's yeah. never going to get better. So it, it may get it, it may get it may get more complex. It may get mm-hmm. you know larger than life and a lot more real. But I, I don't think it's it's for, possible for, to ever get back. For a guy who loves, you know, peeling back layers of the onion and and finding different meanings in things, and and yeah. as as much as our shared love of Alan Moore is, and how layered his work is, it, I, I think I think you know where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Is that there? There's there's it's just different audience. It's it's written right. for you know different different goals in mind. I love the Fantastic Four. I love uh, the 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 Stan and Ditko Spider Man. It's I, I I have an affinity for that. You know where where that's a lot of the stuff that you grew up with. I grew up Claremont Burn Burn Claremont X Men. Mm-hmm. Love that stuff. Go back and read it now. It's almost painful to read some of it. Almost painful. I still look at it through my, you know, rose-colored glasses sure. of, of nostalgia, and I love it because it's it takes me back to a time. But I mean, it it doesn't hold up very well. 
Well, I will say this. I mean, I think that uh, I recently reread uh, like the first twenty-five issues of Avengers and the original X-Men run because I have, you know, I just uh, was like, oh, you know, it's been a long time. And yeah, I mean, the, the dialogue in those is horrendous. It's it's absolutely horrendous. I mean, it, oh, hanging hang story points that never get resolved. Yeah, of course. And and uh, and, and again, it, it compares. It, it's it's what you're comparing it to. In modern times, those things would be eviscerated. I mean, you know. Uh, guys, be you know, uh, Cyclops having you know this power in one issue and then this power in the next, or Professor X being able to do this in one issue and then three issues. Yeah, these things would be you know, fanboys be like, oh my god, how does he can't do that? You know, but, and again, it was a different time, and then it was a much easier time. Then it was just about each issue was its own thing, and and so um, I, you know, I don't like I said, I don't envy. I don't envy having to be a modern day comic writer or artist. I mean, I think it's expectations are different because again, sure. it, the, I think the one thing that that as you guys are both arguing the two sides here, I think the one thing we have to remember is that where it is important to make a distinction here is that the guys that were judging a lot of that stuff in are the same guys judging the current stuff. That's the point. <laughs> I mean, I know you both agree with that, but like yeah. it's, it's us at, at 35, 40, 45, 50 years old versus when we were 15 and 20 years old. So, I mean, yeah. I think that is, that's an important point, right? Cause certainly in all things, what I expect out of friends you know, uh, things I like to do, places I like to eat, places I like to go on vacation, things I like to read, things I like to watch on TV. My expectations have changed vastly from when I was a 14-year-old. There are certain visceral things that are still the same. I still like a good pair of titties. You know, I mean, I still like to laugh my ass off. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, uh, you know, you still want to see you find out that it's a guy yeah, wearing yeah. those titties? Yeah. No, I'm saying, right. you know, hearing somebody, hearing somebody fart is still funny, but like, at the end of the day... It's always funny. Right? Exactly. But at the end of the day... At the end of the day, there are like a lot of things that encompass those more visceral things that are, are different in, in what what ultimately you know entertains me, right? I mean, so yeah. oh, I mean, and, and and this is you know, I'll go back to the the Bendis thing. One of the reasons I I loved Bendis whenever I um, kind of re- recaptured my love of comics is that I'd never read dialogue Do like you that hate comics? in a <laughs> in a in a comic and. It, it really resonated with me. You you send back an an issue of of Bendis's Avengers to nineteen sixty six, an issue where it's got ten pages of them sitting around in a living room around the TV talking. People would fall fucking asleep. I mean that's I mean that's not the Avengers, but today it's 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 a different we want to hear them talk we want to hear the witty banner and you know in 1960s it was you know one one reason to get into a fight after another and and you wanted you had to have a certain level of of action in in each superhero comic and i mean there are literally now superhero comics where there may not be anything that happens that like actually happens in an issue, and that just I think that illustrates how how the taste of of comic book fans has has evolved. Mm-hmm. Well, all I know is Dap hasn't said a word in about twenty minutes, so either he's. I am, no no. Are you kidding me? This is awesome. I I I didn't want. I'm not jumping in because I'm not cutting anybody off. I mean, you know, we could talk about Stan scripting or writing dialogue for sixteen different books. It's like he made words to go along with what Steve and Jack drew on the page. Mm-hmm. Peter Parker looks like he's amazed that someone said something in class and Stan's going to write dialogue <laughs> to, to reflect that. So, Golly gee, guys. You know, so it's it's Steve and Jack were pretty much, I would, kind of descriptors 
other books. You know, I want the Fantastic Four to meet God. Jack comes with the book Galactus, and there we go. So it's, but as far as when Wood says, you know, storylines that never get resolved, and and I, it's obvious because of I when I that. was reading books. Did you? Yeah, I yeah. said that. Okay, my I bad. Disagree with Chris. Said, um, <laughs> it it uh, because of when I was growing up reading my comics for the first time, I missed that. I miss being surprised. I don't want to know that's going to be wrapped up in six fucking parts. I want it to go on for a while. I love my serialized stories. I don't I don't need them in six issues chunks. I don't I, I don't need that kind of storytelling. So my reading habits have kind of changed too, but I you know, fine, so I just I like the old stuff. I I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Uh, Punisher Central from the forums. Uh, first time caller. Haven't listened to uh, the bullpen since, uh, since it started a while back, but I thought I'd call one time. Uh, Punisher Central on the forums. But uh, I wanted to talk about uh, the whole Punisher the list. Oh, God. I'm a diehard Punisher fan, so seeing these things just made me mad. All right, I'm not going to rip on the book, but Frankencastle, really? Are you going to do this to, to, like, maybe, like, 20 Punisher fans? <laughs> but seriously, I I don't know what Remender was thinking. If he wants to make Frank fit into the 616 universe, at least give him the super soldier serum or something. Cra- not, don't turn him into... Why didn't they do this during October? And then maybe I would have laughed about it. But no. I'm just hoping this isn't a a permanent change. Uh, If you want to talk about these things with me, you can talk about it on the forum. Or you can check out the YouTube, Punisher Central, Guilty Account Survival Corpse. And uh, I just want to know what all the other Punisher fans think. See you at 11 o'clock, comics. See, I don't mind the redundant statements in the old stuff. That, to me, is gold when, oh, no, he's throwing me against the wall. I better shift my body so I don't kill myself. And he shifts his body. Or or my, my feet planted firmly on the ground. I shall jump up and snatch that flagpole. And then you, you see him you, jump you up. Don't and mind, you don't I love that. I love exposition. that. No, I love that. It's sure, just, but you also recognize that that's very much a byproduct of when you were introduced to comics. Right. They just had to fill up panels with dialogue. I mean, yeah. If, but I'm saying, know, like, they couldn't get away with Daredevil slinking across. Because that was when you were, exposition was commonplace when you were falling in love with comics, is my point. Well, that's the way it was done, you know? Right, right. But I'm saying, so you understand that that's a generational thing. Right, right, right. right. And, I, and, I, and I love it. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we should move on. But, I mean, I don't know that I'm still, I'm still hung up on the, on the, the, the Godland comparison to Kirby. Because I I don't think there's any concept in Godland that wasn't already dealt with in in either that's, Fantastic that's not, Four that, or that, New God. That is absolutely not what I said. <laughs> no, you you uh, my, said it. My, 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 point, my point is that Godland is a perfect example of of taking a a Kirby and and Lee um, look at a comic. It's an homage to what they right. did. Yeah. But it's done with a modern aesthetic. They do things in that book that they, first of all, never would have gotten away with under the comics code. Um, 
and and number two the the dialogue in that book is is so uh, much more for modern audience and mm-hmm. but it reeks it reeks of in a good way of Lee and Kirby 1960s Marvel Right. I mean, it's just, it's all over that book. Mm-hmm. And it's done in, in, in very much an homage, very much a celebration of what those comics were. But it does it with a modern aesthetic that makes it palatable for me and palatable for a lot, a lot more people where it's like, yeah, this is everything that was awesome about, about Lee and Kirby comics, but it's done in a way that I can enjoy it now in 2009. And, and it, it just, it, it, it's a, it's a fantastic achievement because it walks that line between, between nostalgia and modern comics. That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I was trying to say. Okay, there you go. Yeah, you don't agree with me. I do. God, <laughs> yeah. God, I do. No, I do. I do. It, it's it's everything you said. It is. But uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, we can be here for another hour. It is. You're right. <laughs> we got to end this thing. <laughs> but yeah, it, it. I, I don't think that the the dialogue is that much more refined. I mean, yeah, it, it, it. It's written by a contemporary dude, so it is. It does, yeah. you know, Back contain. Con- stand. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I will say one thing though about that. It, it, people, it's not like people in the fifties talked like comics in the fifties. Right. Whereas I think comics, yeah. comics right now are sound all like more like people talk right yeah. now. Right, but the, and then again, the dialogue in in Godland, uh, Casey has double entendres and and and. Yeah. And, you know, pop culture references within the dialogue that you need to be sharp enough to pull out. There was none of that back in. So in that respect, yeah, Chris, you're right that, that it is more digestible to modern audiences because being a modern audience is what part of what Godland is about because it preys upon that pop culture shit. But yeah, you know, it's, it's all good, whatever. It's just, it's just different. It's right. It is not better, not worse. It's just different and it's for a different audience. It's true. It's true. And, uh, wow, I'm all freaking tuckered out. This episode <laughs> of, of 11 o'clock comics has been brought to you by this, I was going to say in stock trades. Discount. We're waiting for the trade. It's never been easier in stock that's, trades. Nice. That's right. <laughs> Discount comic book service, dcbservice.com, where you can get all your favorite funny books, regardless of era or genre, at huge, David. Huge. Discounts. Uh, 35, D, 45. D this month stands for Big Bada Beak. Yeah, 50, up to 75% off spotlighted books. And this is really special. Chris, let me in on this. We have a code for 11 o'clock comics. It's a code. Write oh, this down. Write this down. Get a, get a pen and a paper. Write this down. This is e. actually a big deal, especially this month. Right. E-O-C-8. That's the code. And what can that code do? That code for first-time customers, that code will get you an extra 8% off. That's nuts because this month, two volumes, absolute planetary, ridiculously discounted at DCBS. Now you're going to get them for even 8% less. You can probably score both copies of absolute planetary for far less than it would cost you for one. Am I right, Jason? Mm -hmm. Is he gone again? Hell did he go? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's right, Vince. That's very right. Um, <laughs> I got nothing. Oh, shit. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right, Vince. Thank you, my brother. So, 
So if Dude, you hop, all I do is testify. Oh, right. <laughs> I gotta get to this logic. I hate this headset. It it's got this damn button, and every time I fucking lay back, Diddle, and fucking ugh, whatever. Diddling with the button. Yeah. So totally hop on right over. Hop on over to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Input that code, and I'll tell you it again. E-O. It's E-O-C-8, right? It's not E-Zeros. Right. The letter O. E-O-C-8. That's 11 o'clock 8. I got it. See how sharp I am? You'll get an extra 8% on top of the already Wumba discounts. This is the time to do it. Get yourself that planetary, both volumes, because it's good stuff. you. Right, and while you're there... I'm going to be talking about it. I'm going to be talking the fuck about it when we get it. Peruse through the 18-book selection of new Ditko stuff. Avenging World, Mr. A. There's a lot of stuff. There's there's a couple books of uh, Carlton reprints and stuff we've never seen before. Never. This is new well, Ditko. Does it get better? Vince, in all seriousness about that... Kirby. That, that you Kirby. Um, there are 18 books, as you said. Can, if you're more familiar with some of the stuff, if you've seen it, why don't you recommend a few that people might try? Because I mean, I think it's it's actually, uh, let's be honest, well, unless you you're in the habit of placing two, three, four hundred dollar orders, right. it's a lot to ask someone to just sort of try sudden seeing 18 books. So, well, well I so, think Zach said it right. There's different there's different shades of Ditko. Right. So I'm saying, can, can yeah. are there anything? Is there any way? I, I'm I'm getting people? I'm getting Mr. A. Number one. Yeah, okay. but that's see, that's the objectivist Ditko. That's okay. different than Amazing Spider-Man Ditko. It's not superheroes. Yeah. It's different. Mm-hmm. So okay. Zach put a thing on our. He put a post on our forum, and we'll have to dig that up or get him to do a a detailed look at it, where you know he'll go through each one. There, there's stuff that's philosophical Ditko, and there's stuff. You know, let's have a fight, Ditko. And the guy did both extremely well. He's one of the one of the the masters. Uh, so yeah, look at the Ditko books, and the covers are up now, which is really cool. So you can get an idea. There's essays in these things, uh, you know, spot illustrations, awesome comics. It's Ditko, my God. And while you're at it, we should again, get him on for an interview. We should. And I told him, I said, Ditko, yeah, he's all over the place. The guy's just like, just won't like, shut up. He's like Perez Hilton. He makes his, he's appearing everywhere. Like While Perez you're Hilton. at it, do you, hilarious. do you, I did say Perez Hilton. Do you, I know who that guy is. And you know what, what mystifies wait, wait, me about thought, that? Wait, no, that's the, isn't that the, the blonde chick? No, that's, that's no, Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton. Perez Hilton no. is, is the, uh, He's the blogger who the who has this of, uh, yeah. amazing fascination with celebrity, and uh, what he and does balls. is, yeah, he'll put people's <laughs> pictures on his blog, and if he likes you, you could tell because he's like, oh, you're cute, and he'll he'll draw on the on the photos. But if he doesn't like you, he'll always put like cum dripping out of people's mouths. Like I don't understand that. No, I don't. I don't get it. But anyway. Uh, in your travels, do yourself a huge favor and pick up X Factor 200. It's, 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 it's amazing. Peter David, it's, it's, uh, one of the, picture this, one of the best sitcoms you've ever seen in a superhero book. Witty, snappy, post Tarantino dialogue. It's just great dialogue. Uh, Fantastic Four is in it. It's awesome. And head on over to Brenda Ventura and look at Injury, I Want You, and Aviatrix because they're good, they're indie, and they're really weird. Oh, Sheasley. Yeah. Um, you should read uh, the best comic of the 2000s, uh, The Ultimates, if you have a chance. <laughs> uh, Dude, I'm the, I'm the editing guy. You can say what he wants. 
you should, uh, uh, on Mark Beatty's recommendation from Virgin Comics, you should pick up, uh, and this is Beatty's recommendation, not mine because I haven't read it yet, but it looks cool. You should pick up Dave Stewart's Walk In, which is scripted by one Mr. Jeff Parker. Mm-hmm. Ah, there you go. There you go. Uh, it, um, since it was referenced in this episode, Godland number 30 shipped today. Yep. Today. But, uh, mine, which I don't have in hand yet, that I recommend, uh, is Batman 80 Page Giant with a story by Chris Somney and written oh, by nice. Cy Written by who? Cy Spurrier. Okay. I didn't hear that. Who? Cy Spurrier. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Nice. Okay, great. Um, well, before you read anything, make sure you take a, a quick over jaunt to our forums and vote on what you read in 2009 in the 11 O'Closkers, please. That's right. Uh, because uh, we'll be tallying those votes soon enough. I keep, um, changing, I keep changing my picks. Vince, anytime you want to jump into that. He's doing it on purpose. You realize I'm, 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 I'm not. not. Until the end. No, I'm not. I, I just, I'm honestly, a lot, for a lot of them, I'm at a loss. I, I don't know what to pick. It's, you could still jump in and be like, oh, I've logged in, but I'm not sure what I'm going to vote for. Uh, anyway, but. Uh, placeholders, dude. Yeah, totally. Just put Stanley for everything. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> then we'll watch nice, it. Nice. Uh, but uh, in your travels, please do yourself a favor and read two of this year's new Vertigo books, uh, Sweet Tooth which uh, is uh, by our buddy Jeff Lemire, and uh, I believe uh, the trade of the first arc will be coming out soon, and we may or may not be talking to him in some capacity on that front. Uh, And uh, as I alluded to early in the show, uh, by God, if you have any taste at all, at least give Day Tripper number one a try, uh, because uh, it's well worth the three bucks. Oh, hey, I want... I wanted to throw an extra shout-out. Um, we were talking about uh, DCB service, and um, I noticed that uh, School, a ghost story, oh, collected, yeah. is available um, for, for pre-order now. Um, Vince Vince is a big fan of this book. Uh, Brian Defferdine mm-hmm. is a, a, a great, great guy, um, fantastic artist and writer. Um, I have yet to see him not smile. Oh, uh, just yeah. such a good guy, and that is such a, a fucked up, um, <laughs> dark and grisly book. It, it just defies imagination. Well, that's um, why he's such a good guy because he works it all out on paper. He works that's true. Out on paper. Yeah. Um, d- just take our word for it. Um, order, order, school, a ghost story. It's from Deftunes. Yep. And uh, and the uh, the the collected edition is available in uh, for pre-order right now. Yeah, reprints the first four issues. Yep. yep. Great stuff. Creepy, Fantastic. wonderful. Oh yep. yeah. Grassroots, awesome yep. stuff. Yep. Wa- nice. Labor of love. Labor of love comic. Sweet. Okay. That's I, 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 seri- I seriously am exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what, buddy? Don't, you don't yourself some rest tonight. Then go to bed. No. No, well, yeah, we're still on, but yeah, yeah, that 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 discussion. You know when you when you're trying to say something and God damn it, there's yeah. not words that that can say yeah, it. Yeah, you're all fucked up. Yeah, I am. I'm I'm verklempt. It happens. Tongue tied job. You did. Nice. Not in the usual way. So oh, yeah, shit. thank thank you for being here with us, and we will talk to you again next week. Um, you know, go out and be careful when you're shopping for all the shit 
that you're probably going to buy for people because it's nuts out there. It's crazy. I don't understand that sales are down because from what I can see, it's it's just bizarre how many people Amazon's are Amazon's for, baby. Go. Yeah, that's, that's true, too. And uh, go kiss your kids. Oh, you hell yeah. Them. Or go make go. some if you don't have them. Go kiss your kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, happy, uh, happy Hanukkah, David. Yeah, David. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank that's right. It's, happy it's, Christmas. I, it's, you know, it's, it's good to be one of the chosen people. That's right, baby. It's, it's, it's true. It's very true. I'll make it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Not for me. Say bye. <laughs> bye bye. Say bye. Bye, everybody. See you.